Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of The Command Zone. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai, and sitting with me here today for the first time is not Jimmy Wong. We have a substitute teacher, if you will, somebody who's going to be filling in for Jimmy on and off for the next few months. We mentioned Jimmy has a, a big project that he's out of town for. We have DJ. Hello. Hello. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you guys about magic and basically give Jimmy the opportunity to get away from you for a little while, really. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Already <laughs> slinging it at me. Yeah. Um, DJ, why don't, do you want to explain to everybody out there, you know, who you are and why you're, you know, if you haven't heard why we chose you to be the uh, sort of fill-in co-host. Yeah. My name is DJ and I run the Jumbo Commander YouTube channel. And you might've seen me on an episode of the Command Zone a few weeks ago where I talked about control, how to play control. And uh, ultimately... I love Commander. I love Commander so much. I love making deck techs. I love analyzing cards. Uh, and I think Josh saw a little bit of that in me. And so uh, he's decided to call me over here to uh, talk about some Commander. That's right. I mean, anybody who has a YouTube channel dedicated to the format seems like a good candidate. And also, DJ also just happens to live not too far away. We've gotten to play a number of times since we found that out. And well, I thought you were pretty like-minded and had some good thoughts about the format. So you're going to be a good addition here to the show. Excited to have you aboard. And today we've got a big one for your first episode ever. We're, t we're doing a set review. How do you feel about that? Oh my gosh. I'm, ex I'm excited. There's, there's no better time than to just launch into so many different commander cards. And really, you guys will get a view of how I analyze cards. Because some of these cards I've never seen before. Like this is the first time looking at them. So I'm excited to really give some hot takes on some M19 cards. Yes. So it is M19. The core sets are back. There are Elder Dragons. We're going to throw in a bunch of awesome reprints. This this set looks really cool. But before we get into all that, if you want to buy any of the cards we're about to talk about, like uh, Flip Nickel Bolas, maybe, Vivictus Asmati, Arcades the Strategist looks pretty sweet. I would recommend going to cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you use that affiliate link when you order your magic products, singles, anything at all. That's stuff you're going to buy anyway. And if you just use the affiliate link when you order it, you're supporting Command Zone, you're supporting Game Nights and all of our content. We really do appreciate it. And while you're there, you might check out some Ultra Pro, 
products and accessories. You know, Ultra Pro makes the Eclipse sleeves. They now come in 100 packs. They make heavy metal dice, gravity dice. They also make awesome playmats. In fact, our new last stand playmats, boy, we have them right in front of us here. They just came in. We wouldn't trust anyone else but Ultra Pro to print these things because they do the best job and have the best playmats in the biz, bar none. So support Ultra Pro, support Card Kingdom. You are supporting the Command Zone podcast. And the final way to support the show is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Ryan Sweeney. Ryan, you rock. Um, okay, before we get into the main topic here, well, yeah, there's something we should talk about. In fact, we have a few other things out here. Do you want to? Absolutely. So this episode is taking place right after Grand Prix Vegas. We had a great time in Las Vegas, except there was something that kind of happened that maybe made us a little bit sad throughout the entire weekend. And that was what happened to Wedge from the Mana Source. Uh, he came out to Las Vegas intending to have a great time like the rest of us did, uh, except for he had some medical issues. And we really want to find a way to make sure to call attention to Wedge and this issue and really support him. Yeah, Wedge, unfortunately, was having some back problems and then found out he had to have emergency surgery. And he also doesn't have health insurance and medical bills for that kind of thing can be astronomical. So right now there's a GoFundMe campaign. You'll be seeing it on the screen if you're watching on YouTube uh, for Wedge to help him with some of those medical bills. You know, he's such a pillar of the community. He's done so many charity events over his time creating content where he's raising money for St. Jude and other other charities. He's given so much. I think it's it'd be great on us as a community if we could give back to him. And in fact, Terry Robertson, you know, editor extraordinaire for the Command Zone and also for Game Nights, was at GP Vegas, heard about Wedge, and he went running around at the convention trying to get people to, you know, sign things, some of Terry's own cards, also had a lot of artists um, signing artist proofs of cards and some prints, and we got all kinds of stuff to give away. So, like, here's something we've got right here. We've got the Ancestral Recall Playmat. This was from GP Vegas last year. I believe these are going for, like, 150-plus on the open market. They're and, really cool. Yeah, and, and and we got this one signed by, well, I've signed it. Uh, Mark Rosewater's on here. Cassius Marsh. Trick Jarrett. Sean Main. Oh I see the professor on here. DJ, you haven't signed it yet, but we can get you a pin so you can sign it. Uh, we That's all... the most important signature right? <laughs> of yours. all of those. Of yeah. all of those. Yeah. Should put it right over the face. I'll make... <laughs> right over, he, right won't, he won't do that. No. He won't do that. Um, It'll be small. We also have some cards signed by Therese Nielsen. We've got a rest in peace. And this is my favorite thing in the whole lot, which is a signed Mother of Runes by Therese Nielsen. So that's in there. What These about, other what cards. We got, we, got, we got stacks of cards that have been signed. And they look, they're look they playable cards for you to expropriate. This is an artist proof expropriate too. That's that's great. You want that in your collection for sure. Nev's disc, look how beautiful those yeah, signatures is that, are. Uh, what's, what's, his, what's his name? I, uh, Steve Argyle. Yeah. He does a very, um, he has a signature that you won't miss. You've got a Nev's disc. Uh, Mark Rosewater signed a foil blood moon. So first of all, Mark Rosewater. And second of all, he damaged a foil blood moon. So I like that <laughs> a lot. Um, and then we've got some um, some prints from Howard Lyon. We've got a death shadow. We've got uh, an angel of flight. We've got uh, harmless offerings. We've got all kinds of stuff. And if you want a chance to win any of this, it's going to be very simple. You just go to Wedge's GoFundMe campaign and the links will be all in the show notes below this video. You click on the link and you donate any amount. It can be a dollar, it can be $5, it can be $50. 
however much you donate, just take a screen grab of that donation and then send that picture in an email to us, commandzonecast at gmail.com. That's it. If you do that, you'll be entered to win and we're going to pick, I don't know how much stuff we got here. We're probably going to pick 10 or 15 winners. In fact, these we got two, a lot of great stuff. Yeah. yeah. These two last stand play mats, I'll throw that in there. We'll give those away. Um, we're going to find more stuff. Like we're going to make this an awesome giveaway. Yeah. So if you want a chance to win any of this stuff, please, all you got to do, go to Wedge's GoFundMe campaign and any amount that you can give will really help them out. Again, the medical bills for this kind of stuff can be just out of control crazy. So hopefully we're all able to come together as a community. You know, we take care of our own and uh, hopefully you guys can help help wedge out and uh, and we can all help each other out. Okay, let's move on. By the way, oh. Wedge is doing fine. Yes. He, oh. he went through the surgery. He's good. We have videos of him giving thumbs ups and, and talking and all that good stuff. It's just now the aftermath, which is just so frightening because it's like you're, you've over, you've gone through something so crazy. Yeah. And then now it's like, well, how do I get back to where I was before? And I think what people don't understand when they see like wedges up and sort of like starting to do the physical therapy and walking and things again, the medical bill is really the problem that's still looming for him, right? Like the procedure was done, but it's got to be paid for and it can literally be, uh, it can literally be hundreds of thousands of dollars that he's going to have to pay, which he just doesn't have. So, you know, we want to help take care of some of that for him. So again, go to the GoFundMe, check it out and uh, send us a pic. All right. M19, the core sets are back. Um, usually we talk about new mechanics for every set, but core sets are kind of different, right? They don't have that kind of stuff. I'm going to move this stuff out of the way here. Um, what do you think about the core sets coming back? I love core sets. I'm a huge fan of core sets. Um, early on when I came back to Magic, I remember M14 was one of the first sets that I really drafted. I came back during like Innistrad block, but I, I was a little... Yeah, but I was a little hesitant to start drafting. It took me a little while till I felt like, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready to draft. And uh, M14 was like the first set that I was I drafted. And one of the reasons is because it's a core set, and the core sets just have a slightly lower barrier to entry. They, they're slightly less complicated. They almost strike me as like a more pure form of the game. They always remind me more of like when I first started playing as compared to like Dominaria, which just has tons of crazy stuff going on. Yeah. I think that also that the themes involved are really pure as well. It just feels like fantasy. It feels like magic. And don't get me wrong. I like going to Amonkhet in Egypt and, and Mesoamerica. And I'm excited about all the new planes and places they're going to take us. But sometimes I just want to like have a dragon and a goblin and an elf. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I just want to. Yeah. Me too. I feel the same way. Uh, one of the good things about core sets is it gives them ability to reprint cards that don't sort of fit into the sets. Like if you're doing Dominaria, it's hard to reprint certain cards. Core sets don't take place on any specific plane or in any specific part of the storyline, right? They take place in Dominaria. Right. Well, not necessarily. They yeah, really... they do. What? Yeah. Flip Planeswalkers. Uh, Chandra is not. She's from Kaladesh. And uh, Gideon's from okay. Theros. Right, 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 and like, right. no, the corsets right. take place. But that was Origins. Was that a corset? Uh, I mean, all the corsets sort of okay. have pulled from from all over. I think they've they've even stated that they don't re really necessarily represent, or at least this one doesn't represent like a specific moment in time. And it allows them to reprint some things. And there's some really good reprints in this set. So uh, we've got Omniscience, which is that crazy blue enchantment that just lets you cast all your spells for free. <laughs> it's cr it's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. There's a lot of decks whose entire Entirely built around just get omniscience into play and then win. Um, Their entire legacy decks built. Yeah, <laughs> there's uh, Crucible of Worlds. This was getting pretty expensive. It was really expensive. Yeah, yeah. 
the masterpiece reprint didn't really slow it down. Yeah, masterpieces <laughs> turns out don't don't uh, affect prices. Crucible is a three mana artifact that says you may play land cards from your graveyard. Uh, that's pretty mean with like strip mines and wastelands and things. I'll just let you know. Well, one of the great things is that it's received so much support, like the Gitrog monster True. and all of these other lands matter cards. Uh, Titania. Yeah. Yeah. And we were getting priced out of Crucible of Worlds. Luckily, we got the Ramanak Excavator to sort of be that Crucible on a stick. But this is commander we want multiple effects and so crucible worlds is going to be something snatched up by a lot of commander players and then we have scape shift which was another card that was great in those get titania type decks and because there is a modern deck built around scape shift um it was extremely expensive so hopefully this reprint will bring the price down a little bit i'll read scape shift for those people that don't know it it's two and two green for sorcery sacrifice any number of lands then search your library for that many land cards, put them into play, tap, then shuffle your library. It sounds weird, but in uh, Modern, you play it with Valkut, and you kill people with it. Do you know what you play it with in Commander? Um, get Rog Monster and Titania? No, you play with all 10 gates and Maze's End. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Just win the game right there. That's pretty good. That's right. Seems good. Um, okay, so... Those are the notable reprints. There's a few other ones. We're not going to talk about them all. We want to move on, because we need to talk about the new legendary creatures... The Elder Dragons have returned. This is pretty exciting, I gotta say. I'm excited. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, I mean, this is what our whole format's named after. If you didn't know, Commander was originally called Elder Dragon Highlander, and when they invented the format, you were actually only allowed to have one of the Elder Dragons specifically as your Commander. And the reason that Commander damage is 21 damage is because Elder Dragons are all 7-7s, the, the original Elder Dragons. And so it was three hits from any Elder Dragon would kill you that's why the commander damage is set where it is so like the roots and the ancestry of our format is from these characters and now they're back for the first time ever nickel bolus has come back a bunch of times but the rest haven't yeah but nickel bolus is like a playable dragon in our command zone now which is very cool hey wait the other one was playable the original yeah. he was the have, only playable okay, of the original i legend. actually have a problem with the original nickel bolus don't 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 get mad at me, okay? He, he <laughs> you got the a, wrong attitude about coming on the show if you're worried about a, people getting mad at you. <laughs> I know, right? He had an identity crisis because it was eight mana, okay, ridiculous, had an upkeep, you know, had very little evasion, but the threat when he actually hit you was discard your hand. Yeah. And so you couldn't really play him because his damage was so crippling. Everyone had to save removal for him. And so you wanted to play with this awesome dragon, like this really cool dragon, but... In actuality, he just ended up dying constantly. Whereas the other Elder Dragons, like you just let him stay on the field and let him play around and stuff like that. But Nicobolus was way too dangerous and way too clunky. He ended up being awkward in the format. You made a good point that you've never been hit by a Nicobolus, but I, you've been hit by the Scion of the I, Yes, I have. I've been hit by a Scion, Nicobolus. That's that's times. the only way you ever really get hit by Nicobolus is the Scion activates, turns into Nicobolus mid-swing when, you know... You didn't block it or whatever yeah. for some reason. By the way, you can never not block Scion, though. You have to treat it like it's Nicol Bolas or one of a million different horrible things. Exactly. I've I've connected with Nicol Bolas once or twice, but it's very rare. Ooh, it's kind of like it's kind of like Sire of Insanity, how that just never seems to quite get in there. Yeah. But if it does one time, it's so cool. Okay, so let's talk about the new, new Nicol Bolas, Master, Master of Cruelties. Master of Cruelties, sorry. That's Sire right. of Insanity. Yeah, 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 sorry, sorry. Master of Cruelties. Sire of Insanity. Sire of Insanity. Master happens, of Cruelties. Yeah. This and that. You got me. Okay. Nicol Bolas the Ravager is the new one. It's one in Grixis, so four mana total, one blue, black, red for a flying 4-4 four, four Elder Dragon. 
When Nicol Bolas, the Ravager, enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card. Okay, he's got another ability, but let's just full stop right there. That's pretty, like, that's really good already. I like him. I like him. Even if that's all he did. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, it's I think automatic, it's great. It's automatic, like, card advantage. Like, you're up one card on everybody, basically. Never mind if you have Panharmonicon or something else that, like... Or flicker oh him gosh. and start taking advantage of it. Like you yeah. can, it's an enter the battlefield effect, so you can take all the normal advantage of enter the battlefield effects. Yeah. Um, Dead Eye Navigator seems really broken with this guy. Pretty easy to strip all of everybody's. Hand. I say easy, but it's not that difficult if with Dead Eye out to just and, strip all of everybody's hand. And the thing that you need to know is that like all you need is for him to come down once, and then the card advantage is there, and everything else is gravy. Yep. Everything after that is fine, and he's a recastable thing, so. You almost would maybe want him to die at certain points to recast him to strip more cards out of people's hands. Okay, but he does. That's not all. <laughs> he does have an activated ability of four and Grixis, so four blue, black, red, seven mana total. And it says, exile Nicol Bolas the Ravager, then return him to the battlefield transformed under his owner's control. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So as a sorcery, you basically flip him over and he becomes a planeswalker. Um and the Planeswalker side is Nicol Bolas the Arisen. It's a seven-mana Planeswalker. Plus two is draw two cards. Negative three is Nicol Bolas deals 10 damage to target creature or Planeswalker. Negative four is put target creature or Planeswalker card from a graveyard under the battle, onto the battlefield under your control. And his ultimate negative 12 is exile all but the bottom card of target <laughs> player's library. It's kind of kill one player is the ultimate. Um I mean, the Blade Walker seems, seems good. It seems great. I'm super excited for someone else to pay. How much mana is it? Seven? seven and then else. have me just kill the, plan, the Nicol Bolas out from under In that. response with the, yeah. Yeah, the activation on the stack. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that it's nice that this is just kind of a cool alternate thing to do if you have the mana, if you have the time. And honestly, if your Nicol Bolas dies, just uh, recast him again and strip cards out of each opponent's hand. Yeah, it seems super risky. It's on board. They're going to know when you're about to get to seven mana. Sorcery speed. Yeah, yeah. The thing, if they hadn't put that little writer clause of activate only at sorcery speed, then it'd be awesome because in response to a board wipe or a removal, now you can flip it. I'm sure that's why they did it. Oh yeah, it's it's I I'm actually happy that it's <laughs> that it's at sorcery speed, but I mean transformed he's great. I mean he seems fine. It's yeah. not, it's nothing crazy, right? Draw two cards is good. I guess he'd have nine loyalty at that point, so yeah. that's a lot of loyalty. You know, ten damage to something, eh, fine. Kill something, yeah. Puts you know the interesting part is here you can put a uh, planeswalker from the graveyard yeah. directly into play. We've seen creatures into play. We don't see a lot of gra- of uh, planeswalkers from graveyard directly into play. Um, there was that, uh, what's the card in this, the legendary sorcery in Dominaria that does that? It's um, bring all legendary cards from the battlefield mm. or from the graveyard into, into, onto the battlefield. Uh, I Craig will that. show it to you. Um, yeah, Craig put that <laughs> card up. I forget what it's called. Jimmy cast it in, in Game Nights and I totally forget. Uh, something Glorious Rebirth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something Glorious Rebirth. Uh, okay. It's got anyway. dragons. It's got cool art. It's got dragons all over it. It has probably Nicol yeah. Bolas coming back from, I don't know. Um, <laughs> So the Blainswalker side is not very, it's not super exciting. I'm not like destined to like really desperate to flip it is what I'm saying. I, yeah. I'm desperate to flicker the the other side and like, you know, get three or four cards out of people's hands. And like, yeah, that, that part of it seems insane. Just swing with him. Value Grixis. I think it's great. I think they could be scared to block too, depending on how many cards they got in their hand. Cause you're just going to replay it and get a card. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move down the line. Do you want to read Chromium? Sure. 
Chromium, the malleable? What mutable. Is this? Mutable. There we go. Uh, he's got flash. Can't be countered. Flying. Discard a card until end of turn. Chromium, the mutable, becomes a human with base power and toughness 1-1, one, one, loses all abilities, and gains hexproof. It can't be blocked this turn. Uh, we should read the casting Mutable cast. is uh, four white, blue, black for a 7-7 seven, seven dragon. All right. So we've got an Esper dragon who you discard a card and it becomes a 1-1 one, one human with hexproof and can't be blocked that turn. Why do you think they do the can't be blocked that turn? I think there's actually a build here where the, you use the can't be blocked. To um, get one damage in? No, no, because it doesn't get rid of any auras or in, uh, artifacts or equipment ah, that are on tricky. it. So I think there's a Voltroni build. And it also, if you're about to suit something up with like auras and equipment, that moment is where you would be really open to removal and getting blown out. And now you can discard a card to give it hexproof in response to their kill spell. That's just a powerful ability in general. Even yeah. if it didn't have the unblockable thing, just always being able to protect the creature yeah. is very solid. Yeah, so, I mean, I think a Voltron decks, sort of the moment they're the most uh, vulnerable is when, you know, they play their creature and then go to do that equip. Mm -hmm. And this one isn't really vulnerable at that moment. Worst case scenario, you discard a card, make it hexproof, you know, counter their Sword Splash Errors or Utter End or whatever it is. And then once you have stuff on it, if you swing in... And you got sort of feast and famine and whatever else on it, you know. If they're going to block it, you can make it unblockable. Or it's a seven-seven flyer, so they're probably not going to. <laughs> yeah. And then if they go to kill spell it, you could still do that. So I think there's some interesting things. And also, like if someone's low enough, then they will chump block. Yeah. You just discard it to make it unblockable, just to, before anything. Just before like, anything happens, because you don't want to take the chance of them blocking with a big creature, or and just then, chump blocking, and then aiming the kill spell at it, because then you're forced to turn it into something smaller. Right. So that's an interesting build to have, like a Esper. Have we seen an Esper Voltron kind of deck before? I'm trying to think. Not not off the top of my head, because what's Rafik? Bant. Yeah. So. Maybe not. I mean, Voltron's not great in I've the seen format. Bant, Naya. Yeah. I here's the thing. You don't. You're not a big fan of the Voltron strategy. I, it's not that I'm not a fan of it. People get the wrong idea. I think it's. I like it. I think it's fine. I just don't think it's good. I think it could wreak havoc in your meta, but definitely not Josh's meta. I mean, sure, it's possible. Yeah. The, you know, and your meta will probably adjust, and then it's 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 easy for a meta to adjust yeah, to, though. That's right. That's the thing. It's not like a strategy where like. It's just going to be good, even if your meta adjusts that strategy will still be good. It's mm -hmm. easy for you to invest in building a Voltron deck, build it, your meta adjusts, and then eh, Voltron doesn't have a lot of like... You can't pivot right, into exactly. something else. If yeah, you're, you're in control or you're in you know a lot of other strategies, a few changes in your deck's still good. But it might just be that in your meta, Voltron strategies just aren't going to work because if people are onto it and they just play enough early drops and enough spot removal, it's not going to work great. Okay. Uh, Chromium's also, I think, pretty good with Sign Over the Ur Dragon. Because again, oh yeah, anything that can give hexproof right. is exactly what Cyan or the Air Dragon wants. In an emergency, you just turn Cyan into Chromium, discard a card, save it from dying. I have a question, know. Josh. Is this the Voltron Commander that finally breaks in breaks through what you're saying? Because it has unblockable. No. It has hexproof. It no. has flash. No. It, the flash is pretty good too. Flashing in at the end of the turn. But I mean, it's in the command zone. <laughs> Flash is really, really good if it's from your hand. If it's in your command zone, it's less good, right? <laughs> well, he doesn't have to ambush someone. But, no, no, you I'm know. just saying, like, it's calculated. It's like, it's, okay, yeah. well, next turn you're going to be able to cast that on the end step. Mm -hmm. So now is when I hold my swords, plow, plowshares, anguish and makings, chaos warp, whatever. And, 
you know, it's harder to deal with. And then what I do is I don't cast it. I do something <laughs> yeah, different. That's fine. And <laughs> yeah. then it's like, you know, if you built your deck well, you have other options too. Yeah. No, I don't I don't think this changes much. But I think there are some interesting builds that could be fun. I don't think it's gonna be like the best deck ever, but No, whatever. I don't think it's gonna be the best deck ever. Okay, let's move on to Palladium Moors, the Ruiner. It's three red, green, and white for a six six uh Elder Dragon. Flying Vigilance and Trample. Palladium Moors, the Ruiner, has hexproof. If it hasn't dealt damage yet. So to be clear, as soon as Palladium Wars deals damage at any point in the game, from that point on in the game, not just like for the next turn or anything, from that point on, it doesn't have hexproof anymore. Unless it died, went to your command zone, then you recast it, then it's but technically... that's way worse different. than I thought on first reading. Yeah, because I thought it was still end of turn. You're right. That makes me sad, though. It's it's just sort of a nothing ability. I wish if Palladium Wars also had additional text that said tap, draw a card, discard a card... Something that, like, I can get value without it dealing damage. But yeah, what can okay. I do with this card besides deal damage with it? It is it is designed to deal damage. Flying, Vigilance, Trample. Right. I mean, Vigilance is for blocking, Tramples for running over your opponent. So it's, what good is the Hexproof on it? I guess unless you're going to get one big hit. In which case, make it like a 12-12. Time, time to suit it up without it getting killed from underneath it. I guess so. Yeah, one, the one time. Yeah. It's fine. I don't know. Compared to this to, like, Narset. Well, you're comparing it to Narset. Narset's great. I know. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> this doesn't... It seems like this isn't very pushed. Like, Narset... It's not very pushed. Yeah, Narset is basically the same cost, has Hexproof all the time, and then it only, like, when it swings, you get, like, a million free things. This is like, ah... I lose hexproof and I hit you for four. Yeah, but some people just don't want to play Narset. What if this was your no, favorite? No, what if this was your favorite dragon before? What deck would you build around this? Uh, this is a tough one. I guess you got to build. I guess you got to build Voltron again. I'm not saying people don't want. I'm just saying you could have put more stuff onto this than what it's got. It feels pretty underpowered to me. This feels like very meh. I think that you would need to have some sort of really aggressive deck. And I'm already maybe out. all sorts of you're out. <laughs> I'm already out. <laughs> I think that you could have some blink shenanigans in here to try and blink it, and then you know you cast a resto angel, and then it's got hexproof for the until it does damage again. Sure, I but I mean you could just do that with any I'm other. Sorry, that's a little. Card that's so, you're working so hard. I'm to trying make this. so hard, Josh. <laughs> you tried so hard to make this card mediocre. Okay, <laughs> let's go on to the next one. Pretty right. good though. The next one. Yeah, the next one is great. Uh, three black, red, it's, green. It's Vivictus Asmati, by the way. Vivictus. The Dire. My gosh. Uh, for a 6-6 six, six flying elder dragon, when Vivictus Asmati, the Dire, that's a good title, the Dire. I think it's because with the casting costs, they really couldn't fit much. <laughs> so they we were. Needed, we need an adjective that's incredibly short. What adjective <laughs> do you got that's like three, three or four letters? No more than that. It's true. <laughs> Skinny letters too. Okay, okay. <laughs> when Bevictus Ismati the Dire attacks, for each player, choose target permanent that player controls. Those players sacrifice those permanents. Each player who sacrificed a permanent this way reveals the top card of their library, then puts it onto the battlefield if it's a permanent card. So they sack and then you chaos warp, kind of. Um, crazy. So you choose all the permanents. That's right. So and you you have to choose yourself as well. Right. That's a that's a key point. Is when Vivictus attacks, every single player you're choosing a permanent, yourself included, and everybody's sacking that permanent. You're choosing your worst thing and everybody else's best thing, which is good, but it's not like you lose nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I like to think of us upgrading things. Yeah, yeah, true, because that's a really good point. Because this deck would almost certainly be like 90% permanence. 
because you a know primal surge deck essentially. Yeah, so yeah. you know that like you're always gonna get something off your quote unquote chaos warp when you flip the top card of your library, and then your opponents sometimes aren't because they're gonna sometimes get an instant or sorcery. Yeah, they'll get a spell. They might you might turn their great creature, their commander, into a land. Yep, true. Yeah, and if you're hitting your own lands, then and you have permanence throughout your deck, what's the worst that you're gonna get? Do you just think you would run some tokeny stuff just so you'd have like some really um, some stuff that you, you know you could get rid of without thinking about it? Expendable stuff. That was the word I was thinking. Yeah, of. I knew it was a movie. I think I'm trying to think of a token creator that I would really like to flip off of the. the you could do like the, the squirrel with. nest stuff. You want the token creator to be a permanent, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But or I want it to be good enough, big enough, Imperius awesome perfect, that kind of stuff. Although they seem low impact yeah. but maybe uh, I think that what I really want to do is manipulate the top of my deck I want uh, scroll rack sensei's divining top I want sylvan library miri's guile all of that stuff yeah that sounds sweet so now I'm actually cheating the mana cost of something basically like I put avenger of zendikar there and I sack a land or you know a tutu a solemn simulacrum or something and I boom flip something huge and I actually not only do I sort of I, I mean, I upgrade my thing into something crazy. Yeah, and I might be fine just sacrificing lands. Uh, maybe I'll include a Crucible of Worlds. You know, maybe this is the Lands Matter deck that we've been looking for, the ones that have Omnoth, Locus of Rage, and Gitrog Monster together. Oh, that's a good point. We've desperately wanted to, like, put them together in a deck. And was there really a Jund Commander before that could properly hold them? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, because you have yeah. green, you put in the Azuzas, and you just drop a ton of lands. Titania, yeah. Yeah, you just maybe build... A similar deck to that where like tons of permanence um lots of lands getting value off losing your land so you're sacking lands when you do it yeah that's pretty interesting i, I would you consider Mazarek in this deck Ooh, that sounds fun because everyone's sacking sacrificing stuff, and it counts your opponent's sacrificing and you stuff said too. you wanted to include tokens in this build maybe yeah. and so if you have a few tokens avenger of zendikar something big that creates tokens you have tokens to get rid of and Mazarek can just yeah exactly make them huge uh, Mazarek. I just I've always wanted to make Mazarek work because I built that deck and it was horrible and I just want to redeem myself. There are a lot of hoops for Mazarek, <laughs> but in this case, it doesn't like there would be what there is. It's a role player in this yeah. and it works really well. This this seems really good. Um again, it's when Vivictus attacks doesn't have to deal combat damage. That's such a huge thing. You get to pick. So people are never going to keep their best stuff around. You know, they may get lucky and flip something good, but it, on average you're not, you know, you're picking their best thing. They're gonna get, you know, something. You know, they could. Of, they could get something better. Yeah, they could. Yeah, and that's part of the chaos. Then that could be. That could make it really fun. I feel like extra attack steps would be really good in the deck. And again, aggravated assaults, those kind of things that you know are uh, permanence on permanence. Yep. But that could be super good because you attack with Vivictus, extra attack step, do it again, and you can like if you for one, if you get unlucky and they flip something that's like worse. You know, you kill their best <laughs> creature and then they put out omniscience. Yeah. You can be like, okay, second attack step, let's get rid of that mistake. Um, but also, I think it would just be really good for like, yeah, and maybe even creatures that, that have extra attack steps on them and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say Aurelia, but that has white in it. Don't say that, Josh. Okay. Yeah. The the dragon with dethrone. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Scourge the other dragon. The throne. Yeah. And then there's the other dragon that has the same activated ability. What was that? There's Helkite? that four one in like. Um, the one with exert. Exert. Yeah. That one Zealous. might be. It's. Oh, man. Card names. This is what happens I? when we. If have Jimmy to was here, Jimmy is like head. so fast on his phone, he would have the name of it already. So we're already missing yeah, Jimmy. It's okay. Combat celebrate. <laughs> Combat celebrate. 
There it is. I knew it was CC. All right, and the final Elder Dragon was our preview card. It is Arcades the Strategist. It's one in Bant, one green, white, and blue for a 3-5 Flying Vigilance Elder Dragon. Whenever a creature with Defender enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card, and each creature you control with Defender assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power and can attack as though it didn't have Defender. Uh, this is the Victus I might build, and Arcades I probably want to build. That that deck seems sweet. 100% building Arcades. It just yeah. seems super fun. I already have a Toughness Matters deck. It is Abzan. Is it Doran? Doran? No, I don't like oh. Doran. Doran's like an aggressive, yeah. like you have to be attacking. I just have like a toughness matters. It's the partners. So I have Sadar Kondo and Ikris Shidiki oh, and, and all of these other sort of Which can, commanders. Well, Ikra can't, but Sadar Kondo. Yeah, so I'm going to drop the black, pick up blue. I think it's going to really spice up the deck. I think it's going to make it really interesting. And I think that you did a great job covering it at, at the last episode. So if you want to hear all sorts of details, go one episode back, listen to Josh talk about all of the cool strategies to build this deck. Yeah, so we won't talk about it all here. But I want to say, Arcades has card advantage on him, which that's all I ever want. Yeah. You want to cast a Wall of Blossoms yeah. and then drop oh, two. Oh, we got really. lots of to throw Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Toss it. Get out of here. Okay. Um, so there are five other legends. There's a monocolored legend in each color. So we're going to go through those real quick. First up, we have Goreclaw, Terror of Calcisma. Three and a green for a 4-3 legendary bear. Uh, that sounds okay. like a cat. <laughs> there we go. Good job. Uh, creature spells uh, you cast with power four or greater cost two less to cast. Whenever Goreclaw... Terror of Calcisma uh, attacks each creature you control with power four or greater, gets plus one, plus one, and gains trample until end of turn. Josh, why do we have a bear commander that doesn't synergize with bears? Yeah, I was just going to say, so the classic thing in magic is what's a grizzly bear? It's a two-mana two-two. That's what a grizzly bear is. We call decks hate bear decks. Hate bears are basically like anything with two power that like, hates out but it's two power like that's the key part of being a bear right we don't call something a bear that has three power or four power and so we got a legendary bear and it cares about creatures having four power or more it just doesn't make any sense there are only two bears that fit this room ever yeah that have four power or more that have well that have four power There's yeah, that one in four power. yeah good job and i don't even remember their names so but... four two yeah. And then there's that guy, that one that comes in with a 4-4 bear token. Does that even count? No, you don't okay. count him as a bear. Um, I don't know who the second one is. Do you know? No, I don't remember. <laughs> I wrote just... it down. <laughs> I wrote it down. I don't remember this stuff. <laughs> it's because it's bad. <laughs> no one plays the four power bears. Anyway, but here's the thing. Let's let's take a step back okay. from, from You're not the doing obvious bear disappointment. Yeah. yeah. It's actually quite good. Yeah, it's giving a reduction on your creature spells. It's basically ramp on a creature. Listen, any commander that has either card draw or ramp on it is going to be good, right? Maybe not the best, maybe not tier one, but they're all going to be good because those are just things you have to have. This is giving you ramp, right? As soon as you pass cast Goreclaw, you're going to get a discount on mana for presumably something around a lot the of your creatures 30% of your deck. Yeah. You're probably going to have 30 creatures that are all four power or more. Like Totally. Yeah. Why would you play a bunch of creatures? You might play a couple, but you won't play very many creatures that don't have at least four power because the four power gets you a reduction in cost and they get pumped up. They get pumped up and they get trampled too. 
Some people play uh, Nylea the God just to give their team a trample. Yeah. Because it's something that green needs to have. Now, a lot of green creatures have it already, but when they don't, you desperately need it. For example, I just made a Grothama deck tech. Oh, yeah. And Grothama, the 10-8 that has everything fight it, doesn't have trample. Right. And that deck kind of relies around a power matters synergy. And green has that. We have that in Rishkar's expertise. We have it in Greater Good. We have all of these Shamanic cards Revelation. totally where power matters. Yeah. And now we have another card that says power matters, which means it's going to synergize with so many different green cards. Yeah, I think it can be a good deck. I'm disappointed by the bear thing, but whatever. They could have just made it a legendary creature beast. Then I've been totally fine. Yeah, but there's tons of beasts that yeah, care about power. Yeah, I've been totally fine. Yeah. All right, the next one is the black one. It's Isareth the Awakener. That's one black, black, three mana total for a 3-3 three, three. human wizard has death touch. Says, whenever Isareth the Awakener attacks, you may pay X. When you do, return target creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield with a corpse counter on it. If that creature would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. So you kind of Alesha something. I mean, Alesha, it has to be two power or less. Um... Which sounds like it would be worse, but I think is actually better because Isareth doesn't cheat mana cost. You have to pay the mana cost. But at the same time, it's card advantage. This is no Sun Titan. No, no. You just get it yeah. with Sun Titan. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. great. And you have to attack with it. You have to attack and pay your mana. So you're committing this creature. It's a 3-3 three, three with Death Touch, though. You're right. Like, it's going it, to... It's not like... It's not like Alesha where it could die and I mean where you'd get nothing for it you could just chump mm -hmm. attack you're not chump attacking with this I also don't like that there's no way around getting the creature exiled Alesha works really well when you can cycle through yeah. the same creature yeah. over and over again and this it's got that corpse counter is that what it is I like the corpse counter well it's interesting but it's going away it's getting exiled it's interesting because I was when I first saw this there was a couple things I thought one was like oh if I can get rid of that corpse counter then maybe it can but it can't it doesn't actually say anything to do with the corpse counter right if that creature would leave the battlefield exile it instead it doesn't say exile any creature with the corpse counter if it dies yeah it's like the corpse counter is just to help you keep track of exactly. it? Exactly. Or yeah. just so you know, it's a corpse. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah. here's the Vorthos hitting you over the head. Then I thought, oh, it would be cool if it had said the corpse counter thing, like any creature with the corpse counter, if it dies, exile instead. And you could start moving corpse counters around to like other people's stuff, like through weird cards that let you move <laughs> counters. You know, there's cards that do that. Then I was like, that would be a cool build, but you can't do any of that stuff. All you can do is attack. Recast, recast stuff from your graveyard. Which is fine, but I don't even think... Yeah, it's just not interesting. Like, Black already does the hell out of that. And in many cases does it better yeah. than with other commanders. All right. Well, on to the next one. The, dra yeah. the Another dragon. I like the next one. Uh, it's Lathless Dragon Queen. Four red red for a 6-6 six, six legendary dragon with flying. And whenever another non-token dragon enters the battlefield under your control, create a 5-5 five, five red dragon creature token with flying. And then for one and a red... Dragons you control get plus one, plus oh until end of turn. So it pumps your entire dragon team, and it's sort of Utvara Hellkite's a little bit. It's an ETB. It's Utvara Hellkite is far more explosive because that whenever a dragon attacks, yeah, sometimes you, just you can attack seven. with a team and just go tons yeah. of dragons. And a lot of times you drop and it doesn't Utvara. say. Does it, it, I don't think it says non-token either. So uh, you can attack with tokens and populate it. Boy, I mean, where's Jimmy when you need him? Because this would be something that we should probably look up. All right, I'll do it. You keep talking. Okay. Uh, but 
this goes great as a commander because you can just play dragon, 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 and you just immediately double up all of your dragons. Or I think that this goes really well with the Ur-Dragon. I mean, there's so many different dragon decks that can exist. And to top it all off, just pumping your team. It's fire breathing for your whole team. So this just screams Dragon Tribal. It goes in so many Dragon Tribal decks. And six mana is not bad. This is not some like 10 mana spell. Six mana is very reasonable for a 6-6 six, six with all of these crazy abilities. You're going to get 11 power and toughness very regularly with this six mana spell. You're right. Udvar does not require uh, a token. It says whenever a dragon you control attacks, then create a 6-6 six, six red dragon. Yeah, they're just best friends. So yeah. play them together. Make all of the dragons. It's going to be great. But do you think Lathless is a deck or do you think that's in a dragon deck? I think it's better in a dragon deck, but I think you can make a deck out of Lathless and be very happy. Would you you play like all the little dragons, like dragon whelps and dragon things, just to be like, that's a good play question. her and then... Because uh, the turn after you play her, you really want... I'm assuming it's a her. I don't know. Oh, Dragon Queen. That's why I yeah. thought that. Um, the turn after you play her, you really want to play like three or four dragons, maybe a changeling or something. Uh, and you're in red, so well, presumably I, I would you've play got a way to Mauler, I agree with that. I don't think I'm playing Dragon Whelp. Dragon Whelp's not good. Yeah, why but if, you, if it had a 5-5 five, five attached to it. that's I know. That, I understand that that's a... <laughs> like, that's pretty good. <laughs> that is it's quite good, but I would rather I would rather take the safe route and have a card that I know that I want. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um <clears throat> Moving on to the white one, it's Lena, selfless champion. Four white, white for a 3-3 three, three human knight. A six mana 3-3, three, three, huh? Okay. When Lena enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token for each non-token creature you control. And then sacrifice Lena. Creatures you control with power less than Lena's power gain indestructible at the end of turn. Again, she has three power. So... When she comes in, you make a 1-1 one, one for every creature you've got, and then you can sacrifice her to give creatures with power um, less than three, so two or, or less. Or if it's augmented higher than that. But True, yeah. if she's got a sword or but something. But automatically three. Yeah. So make all your little stuff indestructible until end of turn. You don't sound impressed. I like this card. Why do you like it? Okay. <laughs> so first off, white weenie's a thing in almost every format. Do we have a white weenie deck that works? No, but not for lack of trying. It just Exactly. We we try and we try. So let's let's break down a few reasons why I like this. Number one, it's a knight. Knights are coming back. We like True. knights. That's a good and point. Knights are knights are cool. But we're gonna forget about that and just focus on uh just this. It's a card knight that makes soldiers. I mean a champion Just saying, I wish it made knights because knights are coming back. I know, but but uh Knight Captain of Eos makes soldiers and I'm not saying there's no precedent for that. I'm saying if you're saying knights are coming back, then it being a knight but only making soldiers is not really helping our cause here. Anyway, keep going. I know, but or what else? Some hero blade hold makes some of the best knights in the game make soldiers. So I think we have to already be okay. But I feel like you're a soldier deck if you make her, you're not a knight deck. Because she's making a bunch of soldiers, she's not making a bunch of knights. I think that she could go in a knight deck, but let's just forget about the knight okay, area. But sure. she's another knight. We need more knights uh, for maybe knight tribal. And I think the Ariel, the black-white knight tribal guy is girl is better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so I think that giving things indestructible, specifically small things, will allow us to make sort of a white weenie deck that wasn't available before. Uh, cards like Selfless Spirit are actually quite good. Uh, they're really good, and you don't think it's good? I think it's fine. I thought it was going to be better than it was. Protection? I think the problem with our format is that Cyclonic Rift is such a boogeyman, and Indestructible don't care about that. Toxic Deluge such a boogeyman. Indestructible don't care about that. Terminus, 
those are uh, evacuation. Kill, but those are going to take out all creature deaths. Merciless basically. eviction. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, yeah. th these are the wrath. People learn, like, don't rely on my destruction-based wraths completely unless they're tapped out. And they can see this on board. So it's they not totally like they get can. blown yeah. out. And that's really where you get somebody with a wrath like that is they think it's going to work. And then you play something they don't see coming because now they're tapped out. They use their um, resources and you still have a bunch of stuff. But the problem with Lena is I can see it. So I go, either I don't play my wrath that you can just counter by sacrificing Lena, I play something else. Or, you know, because that's where it's like, I think I'm going to destroy your creatures and I don't, and now I'm in bad shape. And, and instead I go, well, I make another play that kind of minimizes, like I can block now, or I play a propaganda or go to sleep prison. I, it's harder for me to make the wrong choice because I can see Lena's ability. That's true. But Lena's ability makes you change your play. True. And sometimes maybe I don't have the right play available to me or a better play. I just think... It makes it quite a bit worse. I think that that's the same argument for almost every creature deck, a creature-based strategy, uh, elf elf decks, goblin decks, and some of them might be a little bit more resilient. Well, the problem is that the, ones, those but... other ones are not mono-white. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Josh is digging mono-white pretty hard, but he is he is right that mono-white doesn't have the ability to get you back in the game like other, other colors do. That's why we don't have white weenie, because elf ball... What it does is it gets so much mana so fast that it's just bigger than you're ready for. White can't do that. Elves are just kind of better synergizing yeah. than all of the white weenies, like the best white weenies. Merfolk or anything that has blue in it makes a big board presence, but has card advantage to back it up. So once they get wrath, they're not just empty handed. You know, that's why we don't have white weenie because it doesn't actually cover you in those two areas. And the fact that I can make all my stuff indestructible is not good enough because it doesn't actually save me from a lot of the things that they're going to stop me from. So. I think this card is fine. Probably it's a six mana three three that like you have to have a board friend. You will automatically get a one one no matter what. So it's a six six mana four four. 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 Okay. <laughs> uh, how many and how many got, one ones do you have to get on average for this to be good? I think you need four one ones. That's a lot, man. That means you have three other creatures on the battlefield. That's what White Weenie does. It curves out into into six. But that's a good way to lose a lot of games, right? The turn you before you cast Lena, they board wipe because they can see yeah, her in your they can zone. they can see it in the command zone. Yeah. I mean that's not. I mean we're gonna run Teferi's protection. We're gonna run uh, other selfless spirit as well. Uh, but you're right. Right now, Commander doesn't have a really good way to play this kind of strategy. And if you are playing something more aggressive, something that commits too much to the board, you're destined to get punished. But this is one step in the right direction. And there are some people out there that are going to be really excited to play White Weenie. And I think it has the possibility of working. I think uh, Shivam, he likes soldiers. So he might like this card. Uh, all right. Enough about White Weenie. We'll move on to the mono blue one. See if it's any better. It's Psy, Master Thopterist. Two and a blue for a one four. Human Artificer says, whenever you cast an artifact spell, create a one one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. And you can pay one in a blue, sacrifice two artifacts to draw a card. Well, this seems really good. It's really My good. only question <laughs> is, why is this not in blue-red? <laughs> We've been begging for the blue-red artifact. I know we got one, but still, this could easily just be blue-red. It totally could. You know that somebody at Wizards was just like, well... We've got monocolored all the other ones, so this one has to be monocolored. For just the stupid reason of having like a cycle so you have one in every color, just make that blue-red. Now all of a sudden, an entire deck, but now i got to build mono-blue, which is, it's still going to be good because it's an artifact deck, 
but it would just be way more fun if I had access to the red artifact stuff in that deck too. You could always just slot this into Brea, be sort of a lieutenant in sort of a Thopter strategy in Brea or in Joyra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the enchantment that uh, from Kaladesh block that makes a one one for everything? I forget. It's. Uh, Anyways, it's it costs. I think it costs four mana too. Yeah. Uh, and every time you play an artifact, you basically it's, yeah, it's one. the yeah. same ability. So yeah. this is on a on a commander that you can keep playing from your from your command zone, and has that draw has card. card advantage. That's good. That was a card that I was already excited about playing. Just like keep spewing out opters. Yeah, I like that card. I mean, there's already good artifact decks, and they almost all have blue in them. So this s- slots right in there. But to me, it was a missed opportunity. Blue and red on this makes it a deck. That it's being like this is the lead singer of a deck rather than you know a backup in the choir. Is there a deck that this can slot into by just being blue rather than blue red? That it wouldn't like, is otherwise there, is be. Is there a, an Esper artifacts deck that's Memnark like super popular? Maybe, Memnark, or, okay. But Memnark doesn't play a ton of artifacts necessarily. Yeah, it you're just right. It's all about being gross and stealing yeah, people. It, it, Counters your stuff. stuff yeah. And like, yeah, Craig plays it and he infects you out and it's horrible. Oh, having flashbacks. Oh, okay. Wait, he has, he has Memnark that steals your stuff and then decides, I'm just going to infect you out. Oh, sure, of course, because he still has Grafted Exoskeleton and stuff in there. Yeah, it's Craig. There's no. Sorry. It's li- he literally doesn't have a deck that has zero infect in it. <laughs> okay. Um, those are all the new legendaries. We're going to move on now to the new Planeswalkers. What do you there. think of the new legendaries? The non Elder Dragons? In general. How about in general? Uh. Let's see, we had 10, and I like about three of them. Nicol Bolas, Vivictus, and Arcades. Do you like them enough to build them? Arcades, I really want to build, and Vivictus, I might. Eh, I might build Nicol Bolas, too. I like those three. Um, That's a pretty good number, actually, out of a set. Yeah. If there's three that you're actually saying, I'm going to build this. Yeah, I would say that's better than most sets, um, depending. But, yeah, the monocolor ones. I, I guess Goreclaw's okay, and gosh... If Psy was blue-red, I would 100% build it. Yeah. That that would be sweet. I would be stoked uh, as it is. It's fine. What about yeah, you? Okay. Uh, I'm excited about some of these in the 99. I'm really excited about uh, the bear in this Power Matters deck. I'm excited about the dragon in an Ur-Dragon deck. I Lathless, think that's going to be yeah. really great. Yeah. You can't say the dragon because there's like 17 I of know, them. right? Yeah. There's so many dragons. <laughs> and that Toughness Matters. We threw the page. But anyways, the Toughness Matters one is, is really cool. Arcades. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to build that 100%. That's my favorite one. And it's not because it was our preview card. I just think that card's cool. Also, it says draw a card on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, into the new Planeswalkers. We've got, again, it's a cycle. There's one in each color. So, yeah, go ahead. A Johnny, Adversary of Tyrants. Two white, white for a four loyalty planeswalker. Plus one. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. Minus two. Return target creature card uh, with a converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And minus seven is the ultimate. You get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step, create two, three, one, one white cat creature tokens with lifelink. So, okay. So... Plus one, plus one counter on two creatures. That's a plus one. That's not very good. Yeah. Um, sort of Sun Titan something, but it's only a creature. Mana cost two or less. Two. There's a big difference between two big and difference. three. Big difference. Big difference. And it's a creature and too. And it's a creature only. Big can't difference. Can't get lands back. Can't get, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then emblem. Even the emblem is lackluster. It's, it's not Liliana's emblem. It's just static three every time. Yeah. It doesn't build like those zombies that uh, the Liliana Death's Majesty does. Is that it? Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it seems very lackluster. I, I'm not into it. I would play this in a cat deck. Okay? Would you? Because it makes... You have to get off, to the ultimate to cat get decks, cats. 
well, cat decks, number one, are, are very limited. You can play things for flavor. And getting the ultimate and just constantly <laughs> producing cats is great. First of all, cat decks are bad. Like, you know, that's what you just said. Cat decks are you can, awesome. You can make choices based cat on... Cat decks are awesome. <laughs> there are enough cats you could just play good cards. You can play... They're, they're you can cat, get back Hungry Lynx, Kasali Pride Mage. Okay. You can Fleece get Mane. back... Yeah, you can get back Fleece Mane. You can get back Felidar Kitty Cat that destroys an enchantment. That's, this is our selling point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plus, Ajani. I think that this. Well, what about the other Ajani's? There's a lot of cat decks that play all the Ajani's. Sure, sure. It's fine. I, I don't think you're. And this one actually okay. makes cats. All right, fine. In a not cat deck, though, you're never playing this ever, right? I'm, I'm never playing this okay. card. Right. I'm never playing it. <laughs> all right. The red one is Sarkin Fireblood. One red, red for a three loyalty planeswalker. You may discard. Oh, sorry. The plus one is you may discard a card if you do draw a card. So, Rummage. Another, it has a second plus one, which is add two mana in any combination of colors, then spend this mana only to cast dragon spells. All right. And the negative seven is create four five five red dragon creature tokens with flying. This is just really narrow, right? And not I even mean, that good for being. If that you're narrow. not in a dragon deck, can you even play it? I would say no. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, even would Dreddy even be better than that, even if you're not in an artifact deck? Oh, I think so. Because yeah, it's sure. two because it's two cards, yeah. the two cards of rummaging, and Dak Faden just blows this out of the water. Well, and so. non-artifact decks have artifacts in them. Non-dragon yeah, decks yeah, yeah. don't always have dragons. <laughs> there's plenty of decks that have zero dragons, and there's barely any decks that have no artifacts. Exactly. You always have at least Soul Ring, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Seems pretty bad. Even in a dragon deck, do you play it? There's the there's the dragon. It's the one red red that reduces your dragon spells by two. Yeah. It's mediocre. That's, seems. It seems it's better fine. than this, too. Yeah, and it seems better than this. Because they can't attack it directly and kill it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, if you want to keep it, you mostly can because nobody's really removing it. Yeah, no it. one cares about it because yeah. it's like, ah, whatever, your stupid big dragons are this. <laughs> this is a planeswalker that... It like, does rummage, though. Is Here's the thing that's great, though. That we have enough good card draw in red that we're not fixating on the rummage ability. Yeah. So sure. things have changed in our world where we can say, forget about this stupid planeswalker and focus on other red card draw. For a while, there just it just wasn't there. Right. Yeah. Man, harsh words for Sarkin. <laughs> Sarkin, I, I love you in your other forms. How about that? <laughs> your dragon form? Yeah. All right, the next one is the green one. It's Vivian Reed. Is this Reed Duke's sister? Three green green. Sorry, Reed's first name is Reed. Her last name is Reed. All right. <laughs> Three green green for a five loyalty planeswalker, Vivian. Plus one, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card or land from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest onto the bottom of your library in any order. Negative three, destroy target artifact, enchantment, or creature with flying. Negative eight, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus two, plus two, and have vigilance, trample, and indestructible. Um, seems a little bit better. It's five mana. So this kind of hits an in-between point with a lot of the other green planeswalkers. For example, Fraley's is minus ability, yeah. also a five CMC planeswalker. Uh, I'm fine with the minus ability. I play it in some decks. It's not amazing, but being able to just take out an artifact or enchantment, and this is the ability to get something with flying, mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. Again, not amazing, but okay. But Oftentimes in a green deck, I would say the thing that's going to murk your planeswalker is a flyer because you mm. tend to have... You're in green, so you tend to have enough stuff on the ground that at least you can chump block if you want to. Yeah, so I think that's actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. As far as card advantage, I like that it gives me card advantage, but the two Garricks, the five-mana Garrick, the six-mana Garrick, they give you better card advantage. And so it's in between, and I'm okay with that. 
I don't think that it'll break our format or anything like that, but I think no, people will play it and actually be pretty satisfied with it, even though it's not going to take over a game. This to me is the classic reason why Planeswalkers are not good in uh, Commander, because most of the time you play this, it's just going to die by the time it gets back to your turn. So what you'll have done is played a five mana spell that gave you a little bit of card selection, probably, yeah. or a five mana um, removal spell. That got think rid about, of an think about like a artifact. little bit of a different acidic slime. Yeah. We're fine playing yeah. acidic slime. I know acidic slime does a little bit more. Acidic slime, I can bounce in my hand with Team or Sabretooth and replay yeah, 50 totally. times. I can I blink it. it. Like, yeah. If yeah. you could do that with Vivian, you know, maybe. Uh, again, I don't think you're doing many chain veil shenanigans with her. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Liliana, untouched by Ooh, death. Liliana, untouched by death. Two black, black for a four loyalty planeswalker. Put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. Uh, if at least one of them is a zombie card, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. That's her plus one. That's her plus one. Minus two, target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn where X is the number of zombies you control. And minus three, enough to ultimate. This is her ultimate. It's you enough can to ultimate, ultimate her right, right off away. the bat. Yeah. And she won't even die, right? She won't, yeah, it'll take her down to one loyalty. So minus three, you may cast zombie cards from your graveyard this turn. Yagamoth's zombies. <laughs> Um, Past in zombies. It's it's interesting because this with Sarkin, we're seeing a couple of very specific planeswalkers that are because Liliana, you just literally can't play this card outside of a dedicated zombie deck. Totally not. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually, I think that we have a flood of planeswalkers. There's there have to be planeswalkers in every set. We have to have them all the time, and they can't all be pushed constantly. It's so impossible. we're going to start needing to have these sort of special. Seven, the more narrow, mm -hmm. I think, allows us to them to print planeswalkers to allow some people to be pretty happy with having a cool planeswalker for their specific deck, uh, and promote more synergies. Yeah, yeah. If you got a zombie deck, she seems pretty good. Uh, but Gisa and Geralt are just better four mana cast a zombie every turn yeah oh it's way better yeah it's not even close and again they can't be attacked by other creatures that killed <laughs> <laughs> planeswalkers have a few problems yeah in commander it's they have problems <clears throat> in multiplayer formats all right the last planeswalker in the set is tezzeret artifice master he's back three blue blue for a five loyalty tezzeret plus one creates a one one thopter artifact creature with flying from now on, when I say Thopter, it ha it's an artifact creature that has flying. We won't say that part. From now on, just forever. Just in, <laughs> like in how Palladium Wars is the command zone. Just like, yeah, we're just <laughs> forever. Uh, the zero ability is draw a card. If you control three or more artifacts, draw two cards instead. Synergize this because you make three Thopters and then all of a sudden. So it's a plus one and a zero. <laughs> Seems like, okay, negative nine. <laughs> you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your end step, search your library for a permanent card. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Oh, so you just get to you tutor and cheat it. You get to play. get that omniscience that we threw on the floor. Oh, uh, that's exactly yeah. what you yeah. get every time. Yeah. Got it. Um, remember, when we're evaluating Planeswalkers, we're not really fixating on this ultimate because yeah. it's so rare that you get to it unless you're cheating it. Especially if it's not in green. Did we even talk about Vivian's ultimate? No, it's fine. It makes all your creatures big and indestructible. Yeah, it's, yeah okay. I mean, it's fine. But, but, but like, we don't really look at that in terms of right. evaluating it. We focus on what it's actually going to do when it hits the battlefield. And what's Tezzeret going to do? Make you a 1-1. One, one. Draw a couple cards, yeah. maybe. Mm -hmm. At least that makes a 1-1 one, one so that you can protect it. You can at least block one thing at the very least, chump block. And then maybe you can like get back to your turn Wrath or something to say, keep it safe. It's not great. Just compare this to the blue legendary that we just talked about. Right. 
the, the blue legendary that we just talked about is so much better. You just cast other artifact spells. You magically get art, get thopters. I think it's you a have an activated ability that draws you cards. I think it's a little bit closer though, because if Tezzeret, if you're in a situation where you can't be attacked, which is tough in commander, um, then you don't have to put anything else into Tezzeret to just start getting value. So you're saying like the plus, the plus ability protects Tezzeret. Okay. Not great. That, not great. And that allows you to gain value over multiple turns better than other planeswalkers. Right. It might just give you enough because a lot of times there's like one creature that's going to get through and get your planeswalker. And it might. And it might not. I still don't think this is great. I just think it's maybe fine. Um, one thing that is great is that the ultimate is game winning. It probably is, but it'll take a little while too. It's not mm -hmm. like next turn you win. It's probably... It, if you go get omniscience, it's probably his next turn you win. <laughs> but... Well, maybe not. They you probably have two your, turns. You can build your deck around it so that you can... But you got a plus four times. So you get on the fifth turn after you get Tezzeret. So Here's, far away. And that's why we don't talk about ultimates on Planeswalkers. Because if you manage to do that, you're winning that game anyway. You're in a situation... Where no one is attacking Where no one could attack you because they like, would be uh, wanting to. Geez. So you're so in command of the game at that point if you've gotten to plus Tezzeret four <laughs> times and no one's been able to do anything to you that you probably don't even need the ultimate to win that. That already is indicative of a situation where you are winning that game. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I think it's fine. It's, it's, it's like Vivian. It's a lot like Vivian or, or a lot of these other ones where it's like, it's fine. It's going to most of the time be like a five mana cantrip. I think that you can draw two in an artifact. It clearly oh, goes yeah. in an artifact deck. I true, think that true, you'll autom right. almost automatically five draw mana, two cards. Five mana draw two, gain five life. Maybe gain six or seven. That's the thing about Planeswalkers we don't talk about, which is like yeah. sometimes they don't have exactly five to throw at it. They got... They have to hit it with eight because, or all you might block, so they have to hit it with twelve. So it's actually a five mana draw two gain twelve. Sometimes, still you wouldn't play a five mana draw two gain. Before five. we leave the planeswalkers, and we should leave them behind because we've fixated on them quite a bit. But sometimes it's a free attack to attack a planeswalker. No one can, no one at the table gets mad when you attack a planeswalker, and you don't want politically the table to feel like it's okay to be attacking you yeah and so you kind of open the door for not just attacking the planeswalker but swinging their other creatures at you too uh, once i've already done something to you yeah. it's like well i might as well just like just, you're just probably already a little mad i might as well yeah exactly why make somebody else it, mad it opens the door politically yeah okay we're moving on to the cards that are in the 99 these are the cards by color we're going to start with black let's start off with bone dragon Three black black for a 5-4 dragon skeleton. It has flying. And for three black black, exile seven other cards from your graveyard to return bone dragon from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Little, I don't, I, I don't know if I want to be exiling seven cards from my graveyard. I kind of like my graveyard. There's a card later that wants cards to leave the, the graveyard. Oh. It's um, it's an artifact. We'll talk about it later. That'll I, I, get you one That'll bat. get you one bat, yeah. <laughs> Um, sure. It's fine. It's I don't a, think it's that fine. I, I can see you playing it in like a, um, Tassiger deck or something. Maybe it's not, it's not even that good though. Yeah. You want spider spawning or something better than that. Uh, sure. Yeah. It's wouldn't not you rather, good. I would rather save those cards to recast Tassiger. I wouldn't waste it on this. That's a good point. Yeah. Let's move on. Seven uh, cards. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's move on. Okay. Um, the next one is fraying omnipotence. It's three black, black for a sorcery. Each player loses half their life then discards half the cards in their hand, then sacrifices half the creatures they control, round up each time. I'm always curious how you get strategic advantage from this type of effect, the half effects. Like, mm -hmm. when it's Armageddon, it's all the lands. Or even, like, Maybe in, in Death Cloud or something that's, racing, like, all the stuff. In situations where you're racing, uh, then 
just lowering everyone's life total can make it so that your faster stuff has a larger impact on the board. So it's an aggro card? Kind yeah, of? kind of. Half their life total and then boom, sure. What was the black card? Does it do a third Dire Fleet Daredevil or was that it? No, that wasn't it. But uh, Oh, Dire Fleet Ravager. There we go. Did a third or something? Did a third or something like that. Pox does a third. And sometimes you're in a deck that really wants to take advantage of just lowering everyone's life total. Think of things like Pestilence. Uh, maybe it could go on a red deck, Heartless, head, heartless Headed Sugo. Sugu. Yeah, sure. But has Heartless has... Kind of things. Like, oh, yeah. You put Lifelink on that but thing. But it's red. You do. Like, you can't play this. Yeah, well, not, 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 not as the commander. Deck. You go yeah. like you go like maybe Rakdos. You go, what's the Rakdos god? Love. Sire of Insanity. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a legendary. What's, it's, uh, what's the god It's Rakdos, guy? Lord of Riots, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is a Rakdos. No, god. that's not. but that's not the god for it. Oh. The god is... Oh, the god is... Um, uh, uh, it's like... The real god is Rakdos, Lord of Riots. But that's sort of like a taxation effect where you go around and you keep taxing your opponents over and over again. Right. You keep draining them as it's time like goes Mo- on. Mogus, God Mogus. of Slaughter. Yeah. I yeah. knew I was on the tip of my tongue. Good job. And so you have this taxation effect. You go around, everyone goes down, everyone goes down, everyone goes down. But you have some of the effects that bring everyone down and some that just bring your opponents down. I don't like this portion, this half or third of a whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Like just, just I want it to be all. I want to be able to plan for it. <laughs> I want a card that no, says like, everyone dies with all. No, of no, no. I mean like, you know, it's going to get rid of like, because half the cards, half the creatures, right? Yeah. I it doesn't, you play this in the late game. It doesn't reward your damage in the early game. And also they keep their best things and they get rid of their worst things. And so... That doesn't really usually change the the situation for me. Like generally, like if they have three awesome things and they're going to be down to one awesome thing, and I have four awesome things, I'm going to be down to two awesome things. That didn't help me that much. In a niche deck, this is below average at best. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next one. All right. Next one, we have Graveyard Marshal. Oh, black, black. Sutcliffe, he's back from the dead. Oh. <laughs> he's looking stylish here. He is. Yeah. Uh, black, black for a 3-2 zombie soldier. Uh, two and a black, exile a creature card from your graveyard, create a tapped 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token. Seems okay. It Seems just a- turns all aggro. your creatures. Yeah. Aggro? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm thinking like aggro and standard or something like that. This is another scrap heap scrounger. And then go into, go into sure. Nightshade. Let's have mono black back again. Yeah. Scrap heap is like, comes back <laughs> after they kill it. If they just kill this, it's done. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's know. just another zombie card. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Okay, the next one's interesting. It's Infernal Reckoning. It's one black for an instant. Exile target colorless creature. You gain life equal to its power. I actually think this is quite a bit better than it looks. Um, There's a ton of Eldrazi running around in our format. It exiles it, gets rid of Ulamog, Kozilek. That's so narrow, Doesn't get rid of Emrakul. Do you think think this is just for someone's playgroup, essentially? Like if your play group has this or would you, would I mean, you man, we just got back from GB Vegas and I would say that every single game there was at least like a worm coil engine. There's really? This will hit Memnarch. This will hit all the Devoid creatures, world breakers and things like that. This hits all the Eldrazi in there. Tons of Eldrazi. I think this is rarely going to be a dead card in a game. And when it does hit, it's going to hit the thing that you're the most scared of in the world. Blightsteel Colossuses and things like that. I'm not saying it goes in every deck. But I think decks that draw plenty of cards, you probably can afford to have this in your deck because it's going to be such a blowout the times when it is. And when it isn't, you know, there's, I mean, I play decks that just routinely have 10 or 15 cards in hand. So one card that's a little bit narrow, it doesn't hurt you that much. 
And I do think most games, you'll find a really good target for this. I'm a little bit more skeptical than Josh is, but one thing that has this solved for me is that you can destroy someone's Solemn Simulacrum and they won't draw a card from it. Boom, boom, you just got them. You just got it. They, they did get the lamb though. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm only so-so, but if your meta has a lot of Eldrazi or like you're going to a GP where you think that this is a weakness of yours, you got just, an answer right I there. I just think a lot of like even like there's middle of the line decks that just play like Artisan of Kodazalek and Ulamog's Crusher just because they're big things that some even like people with budget stuff and those have come in commander decks before and there's a whole ton of like artifact creatures you know Wormcoil is one that a lot of decks play and this just and it does get it rid of it like forever and you get sex life and it's gone forever um, I think this is better than it looks I think you'd be surprised and maybe from this point forward you start looking around during games, just look at around turn eight, nine, just take a little quick survey of the battlefield and say, oh, if I had Infernal Reckoning, would it be good right now? And I bet 70% or 75% of the time it would be. Um, and you gain life equal to the power, which on a lot of these creatures is like 10 or 12 life. I think it's pretty good, especially if you don't have access to white. I do like your answer of this, this gets rid of the thing that you need getting rid of. I do like that angle of it. And if you are in black, what other, I mean, ashes to ashes, well, I mean, trying to think of what other ways you can get rid of. Eldrazi. You can usually kill creatures, but it's hard to kill indestructible creatures. In exactly. Black. Yeah. And one mana instant, like it's so, like that's as good as it gets. It's sword to plowshares in that instant. Instance. All one, right. one thing, one thing about you comparing it to swords to plowshares is that a lot of times when you are casting it, you won't necessarily be worried about it if it was three mana or four mana. Right. Because it'll be so late in the game that your opponent's playing in Eldrazi. Yeah, that's. I don't think that's true, though, because there's so many times when if I took three or four mana to do something, now I've only got five mana available. Whereas if I take one mana to do something, I still have seven or eight. And my seven or eight mana plays are so much different than my four and five mana plays that like being able to do those two things, I think, could be worth it. Um, and again, you're in black, too, and I think no one will see that coming. They're not going to, like, if somebody has one white open, you think about it. Yeah. Let's just say that uh, Path to Exile, Swords of Plowshares, just blow this out of the water, right? Yeah, they're, they're better. Yeah. They're better because they get anything. But if you don't have, that's why How I said. about if, Chaos Warp? If you Chaos don't have Warp being a little bit more costed? Yeah. I think Chaos Warp is probably, it's just. But flexibility. It depends on the deck, but it's flexible. It costs three, though. This costs, this costs only one. I, I think in mono black, mm. you might play this. And in, like, black blue, you might play it. And then okay. I would think about it. If I don't have white. Let's say um, Jund, I might think about it too. Um, I, I would think about it in a lot of different instances. It, and again, I wouldn't want um, quite a bit of card draw, but I want all my decks to have quite a bit of card draw. <laughs> so I'm not super worried about a couple of narrow cards in my deck. They And I just doubt this. Will, I very much doubt that there'll be entire games where this is just dead. In your in your black-blue decks, do you play the one in a blue exile something manifest? They manifest the top card? Reality shift? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, I don't have it in every one, but I like it. Yeah, that's a really good card, by the way. I, I think it's I think it's a really good I've card. I've been saving and it if, for an underrated card episode, and now it's just blown. No, I'll still say it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually think that's a really good card, too, and I can see some sort of similarities in that the exile effects and stuff, so I, I get it. All right, okay, moving on to Liliana's Contract. That's right. Everyone's <laughs> tweeting this at me because they want me to put it into my uh, Athreos deck. Really? Well, let's see if it's good enough. Three Blue black black for an enchantment. <laughs> When Lilian's contract enters the battlefield, you draw four cards and you lose four life. Okay. That's pretty good. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control four or more demons with different names, you win the game. 
I kind of like this card, Josh. You know what? It's better than <laughs> it's I thought because so I wasn't fun. thinking about the draw four, lose four. That part's actually might just put it in the realm of like, it's fine. Promise but, of power is five CMC, draw five, lose five. Pretty acceptable. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's an extra card or uh, ambitions cost is four CMC, draw three, lose three. Here's the thing. In the Athros Shadowborn Apostle deck, you just don't really get four demons into play ever. And if you do, you won. Because you sacrificed six Shadowborn Apostle four times. You won through other means by that time. Um, How many do you need? Four? Yeah. it's a lot of demons. I do, I'm not a big fan of the you win the game cards in general. I like the you win the game uh, they're, cards. They're not my thing. I, I like them a lot. Uh, okay. I'm, it's, it's like fine. <laughs> I'm going to uh, mention one later. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just not. Yeah. I'm not putting it in my this Shadowborn deck, hard. but... Now, hang on. Let's say that you were go- you wanted to tune down your Atheros deck. It's, like, too powerful. You're playing with some different people. Do you think you could theoretically take out some of the combo-y stuff, put in some extra demons, and include that card? I mean, Newsflash, the deck is not that strong. It looks really good on game nights. You, if Nobody noticed that Wedge, Prof, and Jimmy all missed land drops that game. That's like, the, that deck does not win <laughs> that much. I hate to tell everybody out there. Like, once it goes off, it goes off, but it's so easy to stop. All somebody has to do is Wrath and Pay the Life, and then you you're like okay, <laughs> I'm drawing another one. Yeah, one. exactly. I'm drawing another one. In one. six turns, I will do that again. Uh. I have an Athreos deck as well, Shadowborn Apostles, and it's a little bit more. I'm gonna play big demons. I'm gonna attack you, and this is on the edge for me. Mm-hmm. But I could see a scenario where I would tune my deck down just a little bit, add another demon, and be okay. In your deck, do you like? When you have four demons on the board, you're just Almost you're never. winning that. <laughs> never. Yeah, and if you do, Almost you never. if you do, you're winning that. I game, should have right? gotten different demons and win the game in another way. Yeah, it's true. Okay, let's go to the next one. It is open the graves. It's three black black for an enchantment. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, create a two-two black zombie creature token. So whenever a non-token you got dies, get a zombie. There are cards that are similar to this, aren't there? I'm there. Trying to think of what they are. Yeah, there's a lot of cards, uh, Zathrid Necromancers and Rotlung mm-hmm. Reanimators, and uh, there's a bunch Zathrid of... Zathrid Necromancers, uh, cleric, human. Hu- humans, yeah, there's one where cleric. there's clerics, uh, there's the Overseer of the Damned, where it's the, and Ka- yeah. uh, Kalidus, which is their creatures. Those are you mostly creatures, zombies. I think there's some enchantments that do it too, it's not a sort of new effect. Um, yeah. It's five mana, it does sort of protect you from board wipes. In a weird way. I think this is like a combo enabler. Like you just play it and then you just keep cycling through and getting creatures. The grave crawler Phyrexian. What's the, there's a grave crawler and then there's the the thing where you sacrifice and get obliterator. Oh no. um, Phyrexian altar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where you just basically keep playing grave crawler from the graveyard over and over and over again. That's how I tend to use these cards, which is allows me to sacrifice things twice. So like uh, Phyrexian altar, um, Ashnod's altar, yeah, then you yeah, get yeah. like the blood R stuff going, or any skull clampery and that kind of stuff where it's like, I sack it, and that creates a thing that I then sack. And so it sort of panharmonicons my sacking in a way. So does this need to be combo-y, or can you just put this in value? Like Marin, for example, where you have some stuff going to the graveyard pretty often, but it's not really... It feels it's bad in Marin. I only want this if I can get a bunch of zombies all at once. Mm. I don't think I want it in a Marin. It's five mana. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather just draw five cards or something I'd like that? I'd rather have a creature that goes to the graveyard, honestly, in Marin or in a lot of the other decks. Yeah, so I, I think this is probably... It might be good in Zombie Tribal. It might be good in a deck... I like these kind of cards in decks where I'm going to have to overextend into the board with creatures, and this is my insurance policy. It's an Even, expensive insurance policy. Well, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. five is not that bad, right? Because I can't have extended that far before that. So sometime around seven mana is where I'm going to have extended to the point where like a board wipe will really screw me over. And then I can drop this. Even then you're crossing your fingers. They don't have and this evacuation the terminus. Same uh, yeah, of exactly. The, of the white. Yeah, yeah I think it's better than earlier. Lena's though, because this is better than the indestructible. It's a little bit harder to get around. Uh, toxic delusion, those kind of things don't get around it. The negative X neighbors. It's just yeah, slightly true. better. And also, I can take advantage of it when I want to. Like, it's harder to take advantage of my creatures having indestructible. Sacking something and I get something else. I can. This I needs can, a whole engine going to get to get more than a couple tutus. You know, how many tutus do you need to get out of this for it to be worthwhile? Yeah, I'd well, say I'd say you need four tutus. Yeah, four or three. Yeah, but if you can play this on the same turn, and I already have an altar out, then I can get value right now. So I'm thinking about Liliana's mastery, the five CMC yeah. enchantment. Get two zombies, and zombies get plus one plus one. Where would I play this over that? Like, how many zombies do I need? I think I need four or five. I like, you I need have, to be getting a lot of zombies. I think the question is how many sacrifice effects do you have in your deck? If mm-hmm. you're upwards of five, six, then you probably want this. Yeah. If you're not, if you're more, I'm going to attack with my zombies, mm-hmm. then you want Liliana's Mastery. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Moving on to red. Ooh. Let's go to red. Okay. Alpine Moon. It's a moon card, guys. Yeah. One so we have red. To read it. <laughs> one red for an enchantment. Uh, as Alpine Moon enters the battlefield, choose a non-basic land card name. Okay. Lands your opponent's control with the chosen name, lose all land types and abilities, and they gain tap at one mana of any color. So they become an admin of any color, but they you turn off Gaia's Cradles, Maze of Iths, uh, Ancient Tombs, uh, Sarah's Sanctums, um, Blah, 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 blah. What's that new Storm the Vaults? What's that flip over into? The new Telerian Academy. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I do think that this card's probably playable, but it's still not great. I'd rather just destroy it most of the time. So Wasteland's better than this. Strip Mine's better than this. Would a Dust Bowl even be better than this? Yeah. I don't know about Dust Bowl, but the other two definitely are because they're going to get rid of the thing. Um, although... If you're doing a mana denial strategy, like... I this see. doesn't deny you mana. So what is this trying to do? It's trying to disrupt well, a specific it, land? It denies, I would say too, in certain metas, especially the more competitive ones, this will turn off three Gaia's Cradles. This will turn Ooh, off, yeah, this will sense. turn off, you know, multiple Maze of Iths or Gaia's Cradle, uh, Ancient Tomb are kind of the big ones, I think, in the more spiky metas. So does the one mana cost matter or is this, are you playing this in addition to Blood Moon, Magus the Moon? I think the one mana cost matters because it'll come out pretty early. Um, just to get it out of your hand early or you need to have it on the battlefield naming something on I turn mean, one or two? To answer your question, no, I'm not playing Blood Moon because I still have a soul. But <laughs> I listen, I don't think it's great and it's probably not going to see very much play. Uh, very niche when, when you know your meta super well and maybe there's a few decks that play Nykthos or something, you could sort of never more their Nykthoses. I don't know. It just, or their whatever. It, it, it seems super narrow. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the next one is Apex of Power. This is seven red, 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 so 10 mana. Hold on to your butts, everybody. Sorcery, exile the top seven cards of your library, of your library. Until end of turn, you may cast non-land cards exiled this way. Not without paying their mana cost. You still have to pay their mana cost, but you may cast any of the seven cards that you exiled. But it says, if this spell was cast from your hand, add 10 mana of any one color. (laughs) So you can't cheat it out or fork it. But you can add 10 mana of any one color. Does it say any color or any one color? Any one color. Oh, that's not as good as I had hoped. So you exile the top seven cards of, of your library. You look at them and you have 10 mana of one color to cast 
however many of those you want. Or I guess you can use the 10 mana on the cards that are already in your hand, even though you just spent 10 mana. So if you're going to cast cards from your hand, you might as well just cast them. You don't need Apex of Power. Well, it, let's hope that we don't have to pay 10 mana for it. Would you play this in your Mizzix deck? No. If it's not going to go in Mizzix, then I'm wondering if it has a home. There's probably some people that would play in their Mizzix deck. I wouldn't just because red, red, red. It costs three mana. I want all my spells in that deck to cost one, <laughs> one mana. This is a lot of mana in the Mizzix deck. Josh is like, this effect for three mana? Not worth it, guys. Not it's not. It. Also, because what am I going to do? I'm going to turn over like six counter spells and a draw spell. You'll what am turn I gonna... over turnabout and mana geyser and you'll start storming off. Well, I don't Mind's play... desire. Yeah, I don't play the storm version <laughs> of it, which is a good one. But I think in storm, you don't want to do this either. Because you might as well just have those cards in your hand and storm off rather than risking, what do I... I don't know what my top seven are. Let's hope they're good. Also, I only get one color of mana with my 10 mana. I mean, you're you're, abs you're absolutely right. But, <laughs> like, think of Mind's Desire. Mind's sure. Desire does cast things for free so you can kind of, like, get a mana advantage. Like, this sure. doesn't necessarily get you a mana advantage. Okay. But could this go in with Mind's Desire? Blue, red, storm, something? I don't know. I'm reaching. I'm sorry. Joda... I could see maybe. Not, oh, you are casting it from your hand. Yeah, so it's five mana to get ten mana back. You would all you would want to cast it still later but on. See, the problem you don't want to turn that, five it. The problem is that Joda would almost want you to just generate mana of every color, so you could just play it from your hand. True. I mean, maybe you're casting one big. Like thing. you could exile seven cards with Joda, and then just look at them and be like, "Oh, I'll cast one of those with ten mana," because your deck is stacked with things that are so expensive. True. Yeah. And so many different colors. Yeah. No. You, what's that one that like changes five mana of any color into five mana of Wooberg color? It's like Cascading Cataracts or something. Yeah. If you have that out, maybe you can filter some of the five into... We're working really hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could play it in like Narset or Joyra and and not worry about getting the 10 mana back. That's actually okay. Like you just, just don't worry at about the top the seven, and, seven you're and you're actually going for something that just advances your game plan. Another combat phase, an extra turn spell. It's like a crappy ad like nauseum. You get to look at a bunch <laughs> and then like maybe you get two of your combo pieces in there or like an extra turn spell that you just cast or whatever. Do you know what? I think you got it. I think it's Narset. Maybe. Yeah. Original Joyra could do that too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dark Dweller Oracle is one in a red for a 2-2 Goblin Shaman. You can pay one, sacrifice a creature, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. By the way, play, not cast. So you can play Oh, land you can play lands. lands. Yeah. It's and like there's no tap ability on this too. It's just like one, sacrifice a creature, get to play that card. Seems good. It's, it's, it's impulsive great. draw, right? Yeah. I'm excited about it. You pay one, sack a creature, and then it's outpost siege. Yeah. Once. I like Outpost Siege, and it's only it's a two drop. It's a two drop. It's it's a bear. Yeah, I like one this. of those goblin <laughs> it's bears. It's a bear. It's a bear. Uh, <laughs> I also like this in car in things that put a ton of tokens on the thing. Think of Cranko or Zada. Yeah, uh, especially Zada because you want to like keep going. Yeah, you want to storm yeah, I need, off kind I need of. I need more, more stuff. options. Yeah, and you have sometimes have tons of goblins, so you just change them in for the cards you need. That's a really good point. It doesn't require it to tap or anything. So if you have three mana, if you have a lot of mana, you could sacrifice exile, three creatures. Exile, yeah, exile, yeah, yeah. Find, exile, find something. Yeah, okay. Uh, the next one I wanted to talk about, just because it was I was interesting, was double cast. So it's red, red I don't know what this is. for a sorcery. It says, when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell, you may choose new targets for the copy. Huh. So they've sort of... It's like a fixed wording on a fork, right? But fork's just better. Fork's way better. Like way better. And don't play this card is the moral of this story. But they're trying to fix it, right? Because fork is counterintuitive where you're like, in Magic Online, you don't do this in person, but in Magic Online, you have to be like, I cast the spell. I maintain priority. Then now I fork it. <laughs> I press control. Yeah, exactly. 
double cast is trying to be like, previous to me casting my spell, I do this, and now that's going to create a trigger that when I cast my next spell, is going to happen. Problem is, you can't double cast somebody else's counter spell or other thing that they have that you want. I mean, even even take away that it says, you know, spell you control um, the, or spell you cast. It's still worse. Like, this is just play fork, reverberate, double cast, or twin cast, those kind of things. So, what do you think of the battle bond one that's one red, red, and just doubles every spell later on this turn? Now, that one seems cool because I can maybe chain you can two keep or going, three you things. Can keep going. Yeah. So, that one opens up that one's kind, way of, better. kind of similar yeah. to this, but yeah. it opens up a lot more opportunities yeah. for shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. Don't play that card. Double cast is bad. Yeah. But I just thought the, the new wording was interesting. That's cool. Uh, goblin, oh, I love this card. Goblin Trashmaster. <laughs> Two red red for a 3-3 three, three Goblin Warrior. Other goblins you control get plus one plus one. Sacrifice a goblin, destroy target artifact. You, do you have a goblin deck? Uh, I, I have feel a, like... I have a Zada deck. Okay. Is that is that a goblin deck? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a goblin Zada deck. All right. I also have a Perforos deck. I don't know. I have some red decks. But I just kind of like this. I like being able to destroy artifacts and change in creatures. I yeah. Cool. I mean, you have to have a lot of goblins to do it. What about one goblin? Kill your Panharmonicon. Sure. I mean, this goblin. You can always sack the Trash Master to itself. Yeah, it doesn't say do another. That. Yeah, you're right. I mean... I mean, worst case scenario, I'm just saying it's a four mana... It's it's four mana destroying artifacts. You need artifact. goblins. You really do need goblins. Yeah. Uh, it's not bad as a like worst case scenario four mana destroying artifact. Not the worst. I don't know. But it's great in a goblin deck. It's I think an anthem, I think it's, it's fine. an anthem. It it yeah. lets you change in your artifacts yeah. later, especially later on because goblins want to just swarm, and you have tons of things that just create a bunch of goblins. And goblins by their nature are kind of small and useless but your <laughs> ability to change them in and do yeah. all sorts of cool stuff makes it a much more resilient deck than you would think i, I think this is great in goblin decks. i like cards that are uh, wrath deterrence and this could in a weird way be wrath deterrent in which case like if you, if you wrath i will just blow up every artifact you have that's not bad i like using joe rail as that too if you wrath i'll turn all your lands into creatures so they all die too yeah that being able to hold somebody hostage a little bit in that way can be powerful and like you said we had Matt Arnold on our show a long time ago, maybe like our sixth or seventh episode, and he sort of talked about his Prosh token deck, and he started thinking of the tokens as like currency, and then mm -hmm. he was looking for ways to spend the currency. If you look at your goblins as currency, this is one way to spend them, destroying Absolutely. artifacts. So, yeah. By the way, Josh doesn't like Blood Moon, but is totally fine with turning all your lands into creatures to wipe You wrath. I did not wrath. <laughs> I did not wrath. I'm not saying I'm going to set up a situation where I turn your lands into creatures and then wrath. You're wrathing. That's what you get. It's your fault. Yes. Okay. The next one is Sarkin's Unsealing. It's three and a red for an enchantment. It says whenever you cast a creature spell with power four, five, or six, Sarkin's Unsealing deals three, or sorry, four damage to any target. Whenever you cast a creature spell with power seven or greater, then Sarkin's Unsealing deals four damage to each opponent and each creature or planeswalker they control. So it wants you to, you play this and then you want you to play, it kind of is that Gore Claw, except for this can't go in Gore Claw because it's red. Um, but it wants you to play creatures of four or greater power. It's hard to do that this into the next one. You kind of have to play this and then be like, well, okay, I'll wait until the next turn unless you have a ton of mana. I mean, if you're playing big creatures, you're probably playing this in like a red-green deck that has a bunch of big creatures because yeah, that's like the a, big creature like colors. A, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really good if you have a... What's the... Um, Xenagos or Rurikthar or something like that. What's the one that you just sort of... I uh, forget her name. Mael. 
the one that you activate and flip things flip things over and it, you get a big oh creature. you have to cast the creature that doesn't that will not work with this you have yeah. to cast the creature spell okay mail so, is a little bit old i think it's clunky i think there's better naya commanders sure sure i was just saying like there's commanders but that there's care about commanders the size care about of the, the creatures so you already have a deck that's like already incentivized and built in a way that your creatures are all big how this, many big creatures do you need i think you want like 25 that's a lot yeah but and i mean then, most we find like in your goblin deck you're gonna have 30 goblins oh yeah 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 so i think there's it's not like there's not decks that do that in your average deck this cannot go you have to have a deck that specifically is built around having big creatures xenagos gore claw won't work because it doesn't have red but that thought yeah and then, then this becomes pretty good, I think, because if you get it out on turn four, if you play, how many creatures do you have to play power four or greater? Three? I think you're ha totally happy. Maybe even two, because if you destroy two creatures, you've already got your two for one out of it. And there's like a lot of Oracle and Moldias and The Azusas wiping the board, the seven power or more, that seems really good to have this sort of mini board wipe happen. It's I like opponents that only. Yeah. I think even the four damage is good, man. There's a lot of little creatures out there that die to four. Not everything is Kozilek. There's a ton of stuff that's just like, Three and four power sitting there giving them, getting their engine going, giving them advantage. You know, think of like Atraxa. It just kills Atraxa. Here's what I'm thinking. Marin. It just kills Marin. What about like Warstorm Surge? Warstorm Surge yeah, is just enter the battlefield and it's power. I, I know. But this is four mana. That's seven mana, right? It, yes. It's yeah, a lot. Of, it's there's a, a lot huge of difference. You're, you're absolutely right. There's yeah. a lot. Uh, we could just play Pandemonium. And just say everyone gets to do this ability. like. But I don't want I want my... And, and then sometimes you get the seven creature. Some, the seven is amazing. Just yeah, like so this mini wrath. I like that. Let's say you did that once and you did the other thing twice. Like, that's great. That card's done so much work for you. I'm a little bit hesitant to have an enchantment that does almost nothing the turn that you play it. Panharmonicon requires... does nothing the turn. Oh my gosh. You're comparing this to Panharmonicon. No, no, no. I'm just... How dare you? Well, how many creatures in a Panharmonicon deck have to have an enter battlefield effect for it to be good? I think you can go lower. I think 20. 20. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm just saying we can get it in the ballpark of like, there are certainly decks built with 20, by the way, I think, the, I think the enter the battlefield abilities on some creatures do way more than four damage. Sure. 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 Yeah. Fair enough. I still think it's good though. I, I mean, again, it's narrow. You have to have a deck that has big creatures. Yeah. But I would play it. Okay. Uh, Spitflame. This is along the similar lines in the dragon deck. I, I just okay. thought it was interesting. Two and a red for an instant. Spitflame deals four damage to target creature. Whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay red. If you do, return Spitflame from your graveyard to your hand. I actually think this is pretty good. My main problem with single target removal of this type is that I don't like one for oneing with an opponent. Do you know what I don't like is having to play my dragons one off curve. Yeah, you. I mean, you don't have yeah. to, right? You still play it. Yeah. And then you just get this back at it's some also point. also just a creature. I can't just do this to the face. Just spit fine. I mean, that'd be way too good. Spit fine. <laughs> you, I could, <laughs> it's, I could spit flame at you. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm I, a no-go on spit flame. I, I think it's good. I mean, in a, dra in a dragon deck. You have to have a lot of dragons. I think I want my I think most my of dragon deck. most dragons I, decks I've seen are really low on interaction, and if I that get my, is true. and if I get my engine going before them, they're done. They can't do anything about it. That is true, but I think that they need to. This gives. I you, think they need to cut their their dragons for real interaction, not for damage interaction. This is reusable interaction, though. I do think we are a little bit. I think Commander as a format a little bit underplays Lightning Bolt type effects, and it's understandable because Lightning Bolt itself is not is not great, and so that makes everything that the does this seem bad? But when it's reusable, I actually think 
again, this is along the same lines, I think, of the um, the exile, the colorless creature. The If you look around in most commander games, especially like, you know, around turn six and seven, there'll be plenty of stuff you wish you could kill that was four and less toughness. And I don't want to just use a card that does that, but I would, if it was reusable, there would be times I would do it. I don't know. It's borderline, but I, I think it could be playable. Okay. Okay, Colossal Majesty is the next one. Two and a green at the be- oh sorry, enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control a creature card with power four or greater, draw a card. I'll tell you what. If there was not already a um cares about the power of your creature's deck, this set single handedly. Seriously. <laughs> has given and by the way, it's the other direction too. White sort of cares about smaller creatures as well. And we have the wall sort of toughness matters. If sort only of they like had that. printed more Mentor of the Meek type cards, I would be well, way they more happy. they printed Mentor of the Meek, didn't they? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. no, but, but Green's what getting new want? ones. They printed the card. No, Green's getting new ones. <laughs> Green's doubling up. I you're need, right, you're I right, need you're white right. to get like five more creatures that do what Mentor of the Meek does. Yeah, actually, you're totally effects. right. Something, yeah. something similar to Mentor of the Meek. Give me an enchantment. Give me, a, yeah, give me another creature. Give me a planeswalker that does that. <sighs> Poor Mono White. Uh, They're yeah. saving up. They're going to fix Mono White like really soon. They just want to sell a set with it, right? <laughs> All right. We don't need to talk about Cost of Majesty much. It's fine. <laughs> no. I mean, you do like, what you do with it. At least yeah. it comes out before. That's true. That's what I like about it. You're not casting. What about, like, what about Drum Hunter? It what? taps for mana too. Sure. It's, it's a, a creature. It's a creature though. Yeah. I mean, I want my card draw to be safer if I can. doesn't have to be, but either draw me a lot of cards Buy a now. Sylvan Library. I mean, yeah, yeah. Play Sylvan <laughs> Library over this, but uh, draw a lot of cards now, or if it's going to be recurable, like one per turn, I want it to be an enchantment if I can. Yeah. It's just safe. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Hungering Hydra. X and a green for a zero, zero Hydra. Hungering Hydra enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. Hungering Hydra can't be blocked by more than one creature. When Hungering Hydra deals damage... Hey, sorry, when Hungering Hydra is dealt damage, put that many plus one plus one counters on it. Do you know what I'm not looking forward to? What? Playing against this in limited. Yeah, this thing seems like ridiculous this is limited. Be a grown test. Because it's Could huge and I someone, can't chump block it. And you it. can't chump block it. You can't you have to get a big enough creature. This is gonna be a nightmare. I mean you can chump block it, because normally when you're chump blocking it just gets bigger. But you're not worried about the size of it when you're chump blocking. You're worried about like, am I gonna draw a removal spell here in a second or not? It's true. It's just yeah. it's just the abyss coming at you. You can't stack block though. That is a big problem. I know. And yeah. commander? Meh. Uh it works really well with Pyrohemia. Or enrage abilities, sure. things that ping your own team. Sure. Uh, cards like Vigor or um, bah, bah, bah. some of their two other Hydras, I think, that do, do something similar to this, where you deal damage and then they grow. One of them is a green white one. I'm just nonplussed by big creatures. Like, if Hydra, that's maybe. all it does. If it had Trample, maybe, but it doesn't even have Trample. I mean, in Xenagos or that's something. That's why you play the bear to give it Trample. <laughs> sure, but if I need another piece to do it, I don't know. It just seems like, eh, it's a big guy. And he's going to be so big that, like, you can't block it. So what? And it gets bigger. That's what Galta and everything does. Like, everything does that. Yeah. Galta has yeah. trample, right? Galta has yeah. trample. Galta has trample. Yeah. So, like I was just saying, like, what's that uh, Eldrazi that you just pay X and that's how big it is? Endless yeah, one? endless one, yeah. Does anybody play that? That's not, this is not that much better than that. You are absolutely, I'm going to say that you are absolutely <laughs> right. But come on, this is a Hydra and it gets bigger and uh, uh, I, let's move on. Let's I like on. this next one and it's definitely very good against, like, every deck I play. <laughs> 
So please don't put this in your decks, everybody, because this hose is like half of my stuff. Okay, it's one... Oh, sorry. It's Runic Armasaur. One green green for a 2-5 dinosaur. Whenever an opponent activates an ability of a creature or land that isn't a mana ability, you may draw a card. What do you think about the power and toughness? Just a 2-5. For three? Yeah. Seems pretty great. It's going to block everything. But, in, but like in Commander, are you often feeling like you need to block on the ground? I mean, against Craig and stuff, yeah. <laughs> two five is great for a three if, okay. it ha if it has a relevant ability, which it'll be up to you whether this does. I think this is a little meta dependent, but I will say in most games I play, this feels like it would be very good. Your Tim deck, how does it? How yeah. does it fare against your? Tim I mean, deck? it will just die. I have to kill it right away. Um, how many? How many activated creatures? But Tim doesn't have to too do? many problems. Now you just put a Basilisk Car in one. But okay. yeah, see, Josh, he, he found an answer for it already. But it would be really printed. good against the Tim deck um, because sometimes, deck. sometimes it's just sitting there like. Tapping its un tapping your creatures and stuff. This is um, works against Maze of Ith. Maze of Ith is great. It works against um, like Thrasios. Imagine when Thrasios player goes off and draws their entire deck. You draw <laughs> your entire deck. Uh, they have infinite mana though. They're still probably going to win at that point. But <laughs> but there's a lot of activated abilities. A lot more than you think. Uh, I wish it just said activated Not, ability yeah, ability of a permanent thing. they control, right? Mm -hmm. So if a planeswalker did it, Art you would even draw just artifacts. Artifact. If they equip an artifact, I wish it said it. Yeah, I think yeah. that would make it a lot better. But I think it's probably fringe pr playable depending on your meta right now. It's a dinosaur too. That's that yeah. matters for a lot of people. And so many dinosaurs are gigantic. They're just kind of. It's just hard nice to, to have something into. at three. Yeah, it really is nice to have something at three. All right. All right. Uh, Going on to blue now. Exclusion Mage. Ooh, blue. Exclusion Mage. Two and a blue for a 2-2 human wizard. When Exclusion Mage enters the battlefield, return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. Mana War. Mana War. Mana War, but Mana I'll War. Can, yeah. Do you ever bounce your own stuff with Mana War? Yeah, for sure, because... I do all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's, that makes it way <laughs> better that it's that it's not... That it can be your own stuff, for sure. It's also not Venser, but yeah. it's, it's a wizard. A wizard. In Allah, like that's pretty good. You double yeah. up because uh, I know some people with, were playing the newest wizard that bounces from Dominaria mm -hmm. three, two, four. Hopefully, four. you have to have another wizard. Yeah. If you have another wizard, this is one cheaper and it really does all honestly the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I that it could go in that Allah deck for sure. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay, you failed. You fail. Did I? Yes, <laughs> okay. Um, the next one is Metamorphic Alteration. It is one in a blue for an enchantment or an enchant creature as Metamorphic enter. Sorry, as Metamorphic Alteration enters the battlefield, choose a creature. Enchanted creature is a copy of that creature. That sounded confusing. You enchant a creature, and then that creature that you enchanted becomes another creature that was out there. Um, the interesting thing, and you pointed this out, I didn't really think about it. You don't have to enchant your own creature, and you don't have to turn the creature into the best creature. So you can enchant your opponent's, say, commander, and turn it into, say, I don't know, something crappy that's out there. The downside of that idea is that it's commander, and there's not super often that there's crappy creatures running around, although there are tokens and things, so maybe. Or like a solemn or some sure. sort of random creature. They're goblin tokens. or I mean, if, yeah, if it's a solemn, they're just going to chump block it. There could be a possible. spare um, exclusion mage just sitting on the battlefield. True, true. And true. that brings up an important point that this doesn't get enter the battlefield effects. Yes. It just because the enchantment just makes the creature what it is. I think that makes it quite a bit worse because oh, it's totally. hard for you to double up your stuff. It's just different, and though. Think of the creatures you want to copy. Like the ones you dream of copying. The one I want to copy? Anybody wants to copy. I want to copy Biovisionary. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> but you're only getting one copy. Where are you going to get the other ones? 
it's my, my deck's built around, of course. But then, but yeah. yeah. I, okay, <laughs> sure. I mean, that Biovisioner, if you don't know, is it four copies of it? Four copies. If you ever have four copies of it in play, you win the game. On your end step, too. So you don't have to, like, have a turn. It's not on your upkeep or anything you do like it that. You just win the game. Boom, boom, boom. And this only costs two. So you do this, Phantasmal Image, something else, done. Uh, by the way, if anybody ever has a Biovisionary in play, you kill it. You Why don't you let don't them untap them, with don't it. Don't tell them this. And if they ever cast one, Josh, stop it. <laughs> you would, you counter it or just hold on and get ready to stop the thing because no one's just casting it. It's a Simic 2 3. Just, it's fine. It's fine. Just leave it on the battlefield. Everything will be okay. If they ever cast it and they just pass the turn, you know the next turn they're going to be able to make three more copies of it. That's just FYI. Okay. But uh, one thing that's also cool about this uh, is that you can sometimes kill a random creature by turning it into a legendary creature. So let's say you have your commander on the battlefield and you have, you have another utility one. creature. Yeah. I can turn it into your commander, turn it into a legendary, and then you're like, I got a legend rule this thing. But you just put it in the command zone, you didn't lose a card. Or then... you kill the creature that got turned into your commander. I mean, yeah, but why would you do that? You'd still have your commander and just have the one in the command zone. Have the other thing in your command yeah. zone. But then you can't, you know, I can't. I think the downside legendary. of this too is you turn like their commander into your um, exclusion mage. It's pretty easy for them to get out of that. It's not um, what's what's the oh, yeah, song of the dryads or dark steel mutation. Yeah, because they can just start attacking better. with it. And somebody's gonna block it, or they chump block with it. You're right. Those are or yeah. um, the lingify. Yeah, it's lingify. Not, yeah, it's not those those. But this is definitely more versatile than those. It has a fringe case where you do yeah. that though, just for right now. Oh, totally. Turn off their commander for now, and it's just le- opens you up. Okay. All right. Uh, the next one is the uh, Biobox promo for right. this set. So if you didn't know, they started this with, was Darmanaria. Are we going into this? I'm just going to. talking I'm about just gonna, this? No, I'm, I don't want to have the whole discussion. I just want to tell people what this okay. is. So with um, Firesong and Sunspeaker was the first one. Did they do it for Battlebond? No. Okay. So they're starting to do this thing, and evidently, I guess they're going to keep doing it, which is the Biobox promo. So if you go to your LGS and you buy a booster box of the set, then you should, while supplies last, get a special promo card. And in the past, it's been a card from the set, but what they started doing with Dominaria is it's not a card from the set. It's technically part of the set and is standard legal, but it's not actually possible to get it out of the booster packs. So Firesong and Sunspeaker is a card that the only way you could ever get it was from the promo, buy a box promo. Um, this is the this is the M19 buy a box promo. It's Nexus of Fate. It's five blue blue for an instant Take an extra turn after this one. If Nexus of Fate would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, reveal Nexus of Fate and shuffle it into its owner's library instead. It's just a it's just a better beacon of tomorrows. Yeah. Being instant is a big deal. Big deal. It's a little it's a little too good. I'm worried about the Biobox promos because they shouldn't be this good because the- <laughs> Go. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, the issue is supply and demand. The supply for these are limited. And if it was in the set, uh, their price can only get so much because you can just keep buying booster boxes. People keep cracking them. And there's kind of a leveling effect as long as something's in print because it just is automatically capped at the price of a booster box. Uh, But because this is automatically limited there's a limited supply if the demand is super high then the price can go out of control and there's no check on the system i mean they could technically print more i guess i guess they could but uh they they haven't said that like oh well if it gets bad we'll print some more they haven't they haven't said that yeah i think that it's a great idea as long as you don't do this is (laughs) it hasn't happened yet 
But this it's pretty good. This card's pretty good. So it's, Arc- it's not a Fire Song and Sunspeaker. Fire Song and Sunspeaker was great. It was cool. It was Niche, what, what is it now? Is it narrow. like eight bucks or something yeah, like that right now? Like you know, you can buy it on the secondary market if you really want it. It brought people into the game store. We really like to support game stores. Sure, local game stores are great. We want them to sell booster boxes. It's kind of a cool thing. You get to go in and get your box on pre-release, so you even get it before release. You can, you know, crack open some boxes with your friends. It's, but it's but a the cool card, thing. if the card is that level, it's fine. But as soon as you make it, you're pushing towards a level where like a lot of people are going to want it. In which case, the price of it's going to skyrocket. How much is too much for for this? The price of this card, like as soon as it reaches fifteen twenty dollars, that's like whoa, not the problem okay. is. I feel like once it reaches that, then it's you know, what's the price going to be in a year? It's going to fall off the edge of a cliff, you know, and that's the problem is that, okay, whatever. We're getting into the the discussion I didn't want to get into. Let's talk about the card. Um, It's good. We talked about that. It is good. It's really good. It's just a better beacon of tomorrow's. It's instant speed. That makes sense. I want to put this in my Noyandar deck that plays at instant speed and that plays extra turn spells. So I just hold up a bunch of stuff. Yep. I play this and I get to take an extra turn and I make a 7-7. Seven, seven. Like I'm super excited about playing this. Uh, Vile Smasher Thrasios really wants this card. Mm. The fact that it costs a lot, 7 mana is actually good. The fact that it's instant is really good. And an extra turn speed spell at instant speed is doubly good because you can kind of get people in a weird way where like they think they're about to go and they do cool. stuff. So what I like to do with instant speed or Vidalcanori is usually out when I do this is like, let's say I want to try and get um, DJ. I pass the turn and stuff happens, stuff happens. It goes to the end step before his turn. DJ goes, okay, on your end step, I'm going to do X, Y, Z because DJ is a good player and he waits till the right time to do things. And as soon as all that stuff's on the stack, I go, boom, Nexus of Fate. Now you're going to be tapped out during my extra turn, which is something DJ does not want to happen it makes it a million times better than just a sorcery speed extra turn spell. Yeah, because you just go twice versus like jumping in in between two other players. That's really cool. Yeah. I love it. Um, Archmage Ascension, Planar Portal. These are vo- both really good cards with Nexus of Fate. I'll let you look those up uh, and find out why, but Archmage Ascension is just broken with it. Totally. Okay. One, one with the machine. Oh, yeah, this is cool. Three and a blue for a sorcery. Draw cards equal to the highest converted mana cost among artifacts you control. So here's a question with this card. It's four mana, three and a blue for a sorcery. How many cards do you have to draw for it to be good? Four. I think three is fine. You'd play Concentrate? I mean, I, it's, I'd play Har- Harmonize. That's not in green. In, not in blue. I know, I'm just yeah. saying. Not in blue, but it's not the worst. You're four, right. Four is good. I think four three is Three is acceptable. I think four is like good. Five, just, five or more is like really good. Yeah, I mean I'll play brain geyser. So no, I don't <laughs> like to. I don't like to fire off my brain geysers for three. I like to fire them off for twenty-five. Yeah. Um. So the upside is higher there, but the upside of one with machine is actually pretty high too. I think this is probably close to playable in an artifact deck. <laughs> Josh talks up close to playable. Well, <laughs> listen, not bet. everybody has you know. You're right. Know. No, you're totally right. Um, I wish it was one instant. Thing, one card that I totally. If it was wish instant, it, was instant. it would be. Slam dunk, any artifact deck plays it, I think. What's the so there's another card that has you drawing cards equal to the highest converted mana cost of permanence on the battlefield. Or on your side of the battlefield. That is Is that in this set? No. Oh. It's old. It's a common actually. Oh. It's a uh, five mana and uh it doesn't I, see play ever. It's, it sees play in Popper Commander. But I don't think that's as good, honestly, because in my artifact decks, I'm not usually doing something with five or more, right? My artifacts are usually small. I'm trying to get a lot of them out early. A lot of them are mana rocks. 
you know, you've had a lot of games where you go Soul Ring into, you know, Signet. That's two already. You know, it's not that hard to get. Like, like I think I think CMC is a totally different thing because you're just not. In general, this is draw cards equal the highest converted oh. mana cost among artifacts you control. Oh, so you need. You, I the thought it was number of ring. artifacts. I'm the an idiot. Soul ring doesn't, doesn't work. do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you totally draw two off of that. I thought it was the number of artifacts. So you Boy, need like why a. Are we talking about this card. You need like a big. <laughs> you need Blightsteel or something. No, this is this is bad. No, no, no. Now. We're this gonna have now. a metalwork colossus on the battlefield, guys. This, this is gonna bad happen. Now. We're gonna draw eleven. We're gonna. This is bad. I thought it was number of artifacts. This is what happens when it's a new set. Sorry for wasting everyone's time. Okay, on to the next thing. Patient rebuilding three blue blue enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep target opponent puts the top three cards of their library into their graveyard Then you draw a card for each land card put into the graveyard this way. So you get like one and a half cards maybe per turn Yeah, it's do not you, bad. Do you ever play a uh, Honda of seeing wind? Honden, not really. Honden? They're too expensive. It's too expensive. Yeah, it's, and this so is, is five this mana. Yeah, same thing five mana. Yeah, like would you play it? No, probably not yeah, probably not. But I th I heard a lot of people talking about this card like they were going to play it, and I was trying to warn them, don't play it, especially in blue. Just play Mystic Your card Remora. draw is way better. What do you think about it in terms of the milling? Well, that's an active downside. <laughs> what if you're in a mill deck? If you're in a mill deck, you're going to do better than three cards per turn, but maybe. If you're in a mill deck, the next card is the card you want to play. But like you're, in fact, you, this could what be... What about like Fraying Sanity or other things that essentially like build off of the mill? Like Incidental Mill is sure, a thing. Sure, um, Lazav. Ooh, that kind of stuff. We're like, I'm going to use your graveyard. Even yeah. then, I don't know. I, I know um, Sean Watson from Commander and has a good Lazav deck, and I doubt he would play Patient Rebuilding. I just don't, I think, don't think three so per turn at five CMC. If this was three CMC... Oh, I would play it at three or CMC. let's say it was two CMC and none of the card draw thing happened. It just milled them for three. Like, you get it out early enough. I think that would be closer to playable than this because five CMC... on turn For five mana, you got to be doing a lot. And literally... Like, milling you for three and drawing one and a half cards a turn is not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. We're not saying that this can't do a lot of good things if it stays on the board for forever. Like, if your game goes 20 turns and this has been out since turn five, of course, it's going to be it's going to be great. But odds are you want to make sure that your deck is a little bit tighter than What uh, happens on the games spot. when you draw it on turn nine? Yeah. You're not going to play it because it's by the game's almost over. You know, maybe it's got three or four more turns left and it's not going to do anything by then. And what are you going to do? Just use, like you know, 70% of your turn on something that does nothing. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. This next card, though. Let's see it. Two and a blue. This is Psychic Corrosion. Two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you draw a card, each opponent puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. Now, see, this card, I could kill everyone in one turn. It's pretty cool. What's the... What's the one that's similar to this? You don't even have to work that hard. Like, like just stroke of genius. Done. <laughs> right? Like, brain geyser. Done. Like, it's totally possible. We, to have, like, a, we have 100 cards in our in our decks, Josh. I just have to draw 50. That's not even that many. <laughs> I just have <laughs> just to play one consecrated sphinx. 50. Okay, well, that's, that's true. One consecrated sphinx. Done. Can you imagine? What's the one that mills when you draw, and if they match, you mill again? Uh, I forget. It's close to this, yeah. Though, right, it's close to that, and, and so which, which sees a ton of play, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see yeah. It all so the time. I think that this could be a good, good yeah. friend for it. But I think this can actually go in a deck like Mizix. My Mizix deck has um, Stroke of Genius, Brain Geyser, all that stuff, and I could you can just fork one of those and win. Yeah. By the way, that spell that I talked about, the one that that mills and if they match, that yeah. targets. Yeah. So and this one this does is it to everybody. everyone, so which is really when you valuable. do this, you kill everybody. Yeah. Although. These strategies are tough because somebody, will, some Yahoo's going to have a Nexus of Fate or a um, 
an old school like uh, Eldrazi, Eldrazi and then they have to shuffle their graveyard and then you're like dang I can never beat you with this card but you know yeah. then then you uh, you use uh, Infernal Reckoning and get yourself out of the that. tech the tech <laughs> they have to have played it okay um, we're moving on to white we're almost there we're getting close okay Cleansing Nova is the next one. It's three white, white for a sorcery. It says choose one, destroy all creatures, or destroy all artifacts and enchantments. I like this card quite a bit. I like this card a lot too. So it's a it's a little bit worse austere command, but does cost one less mana. And it does have the mode on it that you do often use in austere command, which is destroy all artifacts and enchantments. Yeah. Um, so... The downside is you can't kind of like save your little creatures, which I think is the most common usage of austere command. Austere command is a cool card. Like yeah. it's an, and this is doesn't really compare, but think about all the think about all the other five mana board wipes. Yeah, this, this just blows many of them out of the water, right? Yeah, because most of them only wipe the board. You don't even have the option of destroying artifacts, enchantments, and in fact, destroy all enchantments is something that is kind of tougher to find. So the fact that and the reason it's tough to find is because. You don't want a spell that just says that because it's so narrow in a lot yeah. of games. You're like, ah, it's only going to kill two things. But if you could have it tied to a regular board wipe and then also I get all the artifacts too sometimes. I think commander players fixate too much on the four mana wrath. And I think that this will get them moving towards some wraths that have a little bit more flexibility that have the ability to answer what you need to in the late game. I really like this card a lot. I think it's one of the more versatile. I think Austere Commands maybe. It's it's oh, one of, really good though. We're comparing the, it to no, no, a really really that's good. That's what I mean. Card. Is like it's yeah. it's one of the best board wipes in the format just because of its versatility. And this is like a half step below it, but that's pretty good. Like half step below Austere Command probably bumps out most of the other board wipes in white uh, to where I would run this. I think. Yeah, my yeah. my favorite board wipe now is Tragic Arrogance, and this that's is like one. this is like oh man, white's got some interesting board wipes yeah. now. This is so much more interesting than the other ones. All right. Well, this one is interesting. Resplendent Angel. One white white for a 3-3 angel with flying. One white white. That's okay, right. No, I just want right. to say that. that is, is one white white. At the beginning of each end step, if you gained five or more life this turn, create a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying and vigilance. And then for three white white white, until end of turn, Resplendent Angel gets plus two plus two and gains lifelink. So it's Angelic Accord on a 3-3 flyer, that also can gain lifelink and get to 5 power on its own if it wants to. Which, let's be honest, you're never going to do that second part because you're going to put in a life gain deck that already can gain 5 most turns. I don't know. I have li My life gain decks usually like gain life in small little amounts. Like my Karlov deck, it's usually like little little bits of life gain. Mm. It's kind of hard to get 5. But honestly, I don't think you necessarily need to get 5. It's a 3-3 three, three flyer for 3 that has a cool ability and stuff. Yeah, I feel like those decks generally most your average turn is like Soul Warden and something else, right? And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It like just sort of slowly ticks up. But you do have these effects that are going to give you chunks. Totally. And so if every time you did that and maybe – like how many angels do you have to get? One? If you get one angel – It's amazing. It's amazing. You don't actually have – and then it can do it itself later for six mana. You'll Like I said, that's a waste of six mana. You'll probably <laughs> never do that. You'll have to be in a weird game for that to happen. But – this is great in Angel Tribal, too. Yeah. People love playing Angels, and this is a low-drop Angel. This will go in every Angel Tribal deck. Uh, Lyra turns this on really well. Swing in for five mana, Bane Slayer. Yep. So a lot of the normal Angels that have lifelink will get you an Angel out of this. Yeah, I like it. Seems pretty good in Ailey, stuff like that. Mm. Okay, on to the next one. This You're one... Right. Ailey will totally do yeah. it. Yeah. 
Okay, this next one's pretty interesting. So it's Sun Cleanser. It's one in a white for a 1-4 cleric. When Sun Cleanser enters the battlefield, choose one. Remove all counters from target creature. It can't have counters put on it for as long as Sun Cleanser remains on the battlefield. So kind of like meddling mages, the counters off or something. Or target opponent loses all counters. That player can't get counters for as long as Sun Cleanser remains on the battlefield. Wow. This is interesting. I think, again, it's meta-dependent, um, but experience points, you just wipe somebody's, all their experience counters are gone. So Mizzix, Marin, Edric, Edric? Azuri. So I, I knew I said that wrong. Azuri, uh, nobody plays the other ones, but... <laughs> Uh, Craig, what do you think about this card? Oh, yeah, it gets rid of infects. What do you think about this? It gets rid of infects. Just suddenly you can blink this and reset infect? Plus it's a 1-4, so it blocks all the infect guys. It blocks and removes the infect that's already there? Oh, my gosh. Just, it's very narrow. Uh, But it's interesting. And I'm glad that they're making interesting, weird, flexible cards. Yeah, I think this is, you know, again, it's meta-dependent. But this is an interesting card for sure, yeah. But with, I might play it in, like, a blinky deck just as a toolbox to have. Like, my rune deck is super toolboxy, and mm. it just kind of, like, uses Survival of the Fittest and Fauna Shaman and some other stuff to just go find, like, a six slime if I need it or go find whatever. And this might be a thing where, like, oh, I need to go get this. And, you know, with Panharmonicon, just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, even taking counters off creatures is not too bad. But, yeah, you can't play it in every deck. But it is interesting. All right. Okay. Valiant Knight. It's a very generic name. Just he's Valiant. Uh, three and a white. I worked on the movie Valiant. Ooh. It wasn't about a knight. That was mm-hmm. about a bird. Oh. Three and a white for a three-four human knight. Other knights you control get plus one plus one. Three white white knights you control gain double strike until end of turn. Now, if only Lena made knights, we could give them all double double strike. <laughs> I mean, yes, you are absolutely right. I mean, it's it's great to give your knights plus one plus one. The activated ability is is nice, but there is a knight lord that gives all your knights double strike anyways. And but this pumps, and I think it's going to go well in knight decks. And that's about it. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a knight deck, so uh, I want to see one. But they, hang on, they just like it literally just no, came no, out I'm in just Dominaria. Saying, yeah, no, no, you no, need no. some time to develop. Yeah, yeah. the knight. No, no, decks. I was encouraging people out there to build it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm encouraging you all out there to build it and then try and beat me with it. Like everybody did at GP Vegas with commander damage and not a single person could. <laughs> not a single person not did? Not a single person did. Had a number Ooh. of people. I'm going to prove you wrong. Okay. That's not true. I lost to one person spell slinging, but it was 1v1, so it doesn't count. <laughs> I also lost like on a turn four to some uh, ad nauseum Tazri food chain combo. That was fun too. Oh, hey, that happened to me too. Hey, imagine that. <laughs> it was 1v1, dude. That was tough. Okay, we're on to the multicolored cards here. Hey, hang in there, everybody. We're getting near the end here. We've got Poison Tip Archer, two, a black and a green for an elf archer, a 2 3, has reach and death touch, but it says whenever another creature dies, each opponent loses one life. So it's um, Blood Artisty, Zulaport Cut 30, Falcon Wrath Nobly. Yep. This is a great effect, and it belongs in a lot of different decks. And this has a little bit of a defensive nature to it, so I think it's fine. All right. Yeah. All right. Next, we have Regal Bloodlord, three white black for a 2-4 vampire soldier. With flying at the beginning of each end step, if you gained life this turn, create a 1-1 black bat creature token with flying. I think the – pay attention to it says beginning of each end step here. Mm -hmm. That's actually pretty powerful in, like you were saying, your Carl – Carl oh, yeah. deck or whatever. Because with Soul Warden, 
it will trigger, or, off, those of their, kind of things. trigger off of their creature and then, then you boom, get a you get a back. Yeah, exactly. And you might, if you can get, if you can get like two or three bats per rotation, it's incredible. I think, I, I think, I think that's pretty And insane. also in that, in that circumstance, the bat will trigger that exact same soul warden and that won't get you another bat, but what it will do is trigger things like your Karlov Respond or your an other, angel maybe that exactly, gets you to the point where you actually get five or whatever. Yeah, totally. exactly. Um, the next one is Seder Enchanter. This is for Melissa DeTore. It's one green and white for a Seder Druid. Two, two. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, draw a card. We got more enchantresses for or enchanters for the enchantress deck. Um, that deck is super cool and maybe like one of our most viewed decks. You know, I think they had something like 75,000 views the deck did after the <laughs> Melissa DeTora episode. So I know a lot of people have built it. So uh, Seder Enchanter should go right in there. Yep. Next. I'm stoked to use my Sarah Sanctum someday. So maybe I'll eventually actually build that deck. That's a good card. Because I have one. It's That's just a good sitting card, yeah. there. Yeah. Do yeah. you ever build a deck just around a single card? You're like, I need to play this card. I guess I'll build a commander deck. I mean... Yeah, but they were mostly commanders. So okay. yeah, I'm not I don't know. That I've, I've done, done that. Around I've land. done that around like a land. Yeah, before. which land? Um, I see. I, I've. It was mostly the gods of Theros that made me want to uh, play yeah. Enchantress with the with my Sarah Sanctum, uh, but mostly just kind of other cards where it's like that. I need to play Expropriate. Oh yeah, I just need to. Well, that Storm the Vault turns into Tolarian Academy. There you go. I have You're a like, foil I one. Need to do I that. literally bought the foil one because I was like, I want to build a deck around that. But then they keep doing stupid things like making a mono blue commander. Okay, we're getting <laughs> off topic. Off topic. On to artifacts. We have Amulet of Safekeeping. Two mana for this artifact, and whenever you, I'm sorry, whenever you become the target of a spell or ability, an opponent controls, uh, counter that spell or ability unless its controller pays one. Creature tokens get minus one, minus zero. It's a super interesting thing. I, don't play this card because I don't like... <laughs> Stop. Yeah, I don't... Just play a card that gives you hexproof or something. I don't like the fact that they can get around it. And what people are going to do is just, okay, I'll just wait. Which Bane Orb? Yeah. Which Bane Orb? It costs more mana, but you have hexproof and everything gets like... every Not just creature tokens, but everything gets reduced by one. Yeah, just don't play that card. Uh, the next one is Day Nines preview card our friend sean plot if you've watched the most recent episode of game nights which i think has been out by the time you're watching this that or it's coming out tomorrow so either you've watched it or you're about to anyway it was his preview card it's chaos wand three mana for an artifact you pay for and tap it target opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile an instant or sorcery card you may cast that card without paying its mana cost then put the exiled cards that weren't cast this way on the bottom of that library in any order so you get a random instant or sorcery off the top of one of your opponent's decks. I love this card. <laughs> this, here's, here's a I card I want to build a deck I love it around. Too. Is it good? I don't I don't know. It could I, be. I don't think it's good. I think it's awesome, but I don't think it's good. Let's let's kind of imagine the instants and sorceries that are in the average deck. We got maybe counter spells. Useless. Not uh, useless. If you know there's a permission deck and you manage to stick this thing. You're actually you're in really wait, good you're shape. Gonna, you're going to wait to try and activate it? You're in pretty good shape. Spell? You could try and counter one of their counters or one of their spells. Okay, it's, it's, it's only okay. It's not that great. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> well, point. Like, and it's like single mana. target removal, like you need to, in many of these situations, the instance and sorcery spells, we want to hold them for the right situation. Counter spells, board wipes, instant speed removal or sorcery speed removal. And this doesn't let us use them in the right situation. Well, you get it, quote unquote, for free, although it costs you four mana and the, and the thing, but it, it is card advantage. It's seven, seven mana for the first one. 
True, true, yeah. true. Uh, what about with... Um, you get in, uh, rampant growth, explosive vegetations, and things could be good. That is a great thing. And yeah. you, you, you usually the ramp, know the decks The ramp and the card draw, yeah. definitely some great stuff. Yeah. But you're at seven mana already, or you're you're at a lot of mana already to get this thing going. Uh, Paradox Engine. Well, yeah. If you get like a... You just play every card out of there. Just yeah. Say, I'm going to play all your instant sorceries. Okay, I'm going to go If you get you. like a couple play of mana rocks, sorceries. but... I mean, newsflash, paradox engine. You don't need this. It just wins games on its own. Yeah, you don't. If you're like, <laughs> I have a mana rock and chaos wand, so that I could activate chaos wand over and over. I got it. You have a mana rock. You're good. You're gonna win with paradox engine. You don't need. I guess if you were worried about running out of gas for the paradox engine. I think this is fun that it's with your opponent's stuff, but I think it actually makes it less good. I think that if you could build it around your own deck, oh, you that would be a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, you can stack your deck. You can make sure that you're hitting really strong instant sorceries that are useful at different times. Uh, again, going to harp on the fact that I think it's awesome. Okay. Yeah. All right, the next one is interesting. I talked about it a lot on Twitter. It's Desecrated Tomb. It's three mana for an artifact. Whenever one or more creature cards leave your graveyard, create a 1-1 one, one black bat creature token with flying. So this is interesting, and there's some things to pay attention to. It's whenever one or more creature cards leave your graveyard. So if, in effect, like Delve, say, would exile six cards from your graveyard, those are going to be exiled all at once. So even if you exile six creatures, you're only going to get one bat. Um, a lot of people are like, Tassiger, blah, blah, blah. It's not that great in those decks. Now, however, however, Athreos and the Shadowborn Apostles deck, what happens is your Shadowmore Apostles die and they hit the graveyard and then each creates a trigger for Athreos and then you ask your opponent, would you like to play three life for each of those? And they say, no, 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 no. Now I get each of those back. They're leaving my graveyard individually, in which case I would get a bat for each one of those. And that's the instance I was talking about where I thought it was actually pretty good. I think in decks like Marin, Carador, um, it's too slow, right? Bitter Blossom is just going to be better most of the time. You're going to guarantee get one. It comes down on two, mm -hmm. and you're not going to have to jump through a bunch of hoops, whereas this is only good in decks that are likely to create six, seven bats all at once. Well, can I uh, – there is a situation, uh, Shiri, where mm. you get – yeah. Yeah, you get things back that yeah. have one power uh, or less. That's a Shadowborn Apostle uh, Commander, deck also yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. Um, you get things back one or less. Those are separate triggers as yes. well. So you'll get that many bats. And Shiri goes off by doing this on every single person's turn. They get value and get their one power things back on your turn, on your turn, on your turn. And one thing about this tomb, Desecration Tomb, Desecrated is that it tomb, happens yeah. at the end of each player's end step, right? Whenever It's just whenever one or more creatures leave your graveyard. It yeah. doesn't care when it so is. So you can so just Shiri sort of would keep just doing kill. that yeah. over and over again. So one round of the table could net you a lot of bats. Yeah, and that kind of deck plays, and, and like Lifeline and things like that would work really well with this, mm -hmm. where you're like sacking stuff, it's going to the graveyard, it's coming back out, and you're doing that over and over. Um, but I think... Bats? How many bats do you want? Um, I, th I, th I think it's not about the number of bats that you're going to get on average. I think it's your deck's ability. If you can't imagine a scenario where your deck would get at least five bats, mm -hmm. then it's the wrong deck for it. You need to have a scenario that's pretty common in your deck where you're going to get, you know, five bats all at once. If you can do that, then I think it's pretty good. I also think it's better. You can probably do that two or three times. Yeah, I also think it's better if you're not attacking with the bats. What would you use the bats for, Josh? Right, in Shadowborn Apostles, you're going to, sacrifice your Shadowborn Apostles, they're going to hit the graveyard. You're going to ask your opponent the question. They're going to give it back to your hand probably because they're already at low life. Make bats. I'm going to sacrifice those bats, you know, maybe to for the mana to cast the Shadowborn Apostles and do that again. Make mana, drain opponents. Yeah. Like, you're not swinging with these bats. So this feels more combo-y than I'm going to do Bat Swarm. 
Yeah, I don't think it's... Yeah, again, that's a really good point. If your deck is trying to use those bats to swing out, it's probably the wrong deck for it, too, because that's probably more like a token deck. I think you have to look at Bitter Blossom and go, like, is this going to be better most mm -hmm. of the time? And probably it is. Like, I think in Marin and Caridor and stuff, Bitter Blossom just a little bit better. It costs less mana, and you're just going to guarantee get the thing. Um, okay, next is... Next is Dragon Horde. Three mana for an artifact. When a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, put a gold counter on Dragon Horde. You can tap to remove a gold counter from Dragon Horde and draw a card. You can also tap Dragon Horde to add one mana of any color. Pretty good. It's a mana rock. I mean... It's narrow. Dragon deck. Yeah. It's better than Sarkin. I'd rather play this on three than Sarkin. That's right. I would actually way A lot more. It's going to draw you cards. It's probably going to get you you know, two, three cards, and it's going to ramp you. It also draws you draws you cards in the later game after you've played your dragon. So you've deployed your hand, you've put some counters on this, you've used this for ramp, and then in the later game when you don't need ramp anymore, you're like, I'll draw a card, and then this catches That's up. a really good point, because what's the problem with ramp, 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 ramp? Sometimes you have tons of mana and nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. This can actually help solve that problem for you. It shifts into card drawing, yeah. great. Uh, the next one is Meteor Golem. It's seven mana for a 3-3 three, three Golem, but it says... When Meteor Golem enters the battlefield, destroy target non-land permanent in opponent controls. It's an Acidic Slime for everybody. Everyone gets it. Everyone can play Acidic Slime now. It's a Spine of Ishsaw. It says non-land. It's not Acidic. I know. Yeah. It's, well, yeah, but Spine of Ishsaw is harder to, like, do Blink shenanigans with. It is. Yeah. I think that then that's what Josh is getting at. It's a creature. Yeah. And so you can do tons of great creature stuff. Do you know where I see this? Is in Gaunti. Yeah. Where they want... Gaunti to sort of go in and out, flicker in and out. Well, mono black, mono red, or Rakdos has yeah. impossible time with art or the enchantments and artifacts if you're mono black. And this just gives you a sort of another scour from existence, but it's better because mono black can reanimate things. Mm -hmm. So that's their way to flicker. And so the ability to sort of like, here is a reusable enchantment and artifact removal for mono black. Really good. I like it. Yeah. I think this is going to go in a lot of mono black decks. Totally. All right, the last one is an interesting one. It is called Transmogrifying Wand. There's some kind of wand theme. There's a Chaos Wand. Transmog I guess there's only two. Is that a theme? Um, <laughs> there could be other wands. We don't sure, know. Sure, there might be common and uncommons. No, we know. I just <laughs> didn't look through the commons and uncommons. Okay, it's three-mana artifact. It says Transmog Transmogrifying Wand enters the battlefield with three charge counters on it. You can pay one, tap it, and remove a charge counter. And then destroy target creature. Its controller creates a 2-4 white ox creature token. <laughs> but activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. It's decent value. 2-4s are basically worthless. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're useless. It's like a 2... I would say they're even to the swang song 2-2. Two, two. 4 mana for the first one. And then you get to... 4, 5, 6 mana total. 3 creatures. It's pretty good. At sorcery speed, but... Yeah. But, I mean, I'd... I'd have like a, a turn to swine um, on a stick. Plus, on a you stick, know, if like, it attracts a proliferate the counters, it's really good if you proliferate the counters because now it's just one mana every turn turns something into an ox. You have an ox and you have an ox and you have an <laughs> but ox. But no, that's not how that works. They're supposed to like the things they're getting when Oprah gives it to them. I like oxen. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like oxen? What if I need to pull, pull a plow? It's <laughs> <laughs> great. What do you got to get its oxen? Um, <laughs> I think this is good. I think it's quite good. Uh, I think even just the baseline of six mana, three turns. Three oxes. Kill, yeah. kill three things. It's pretty decent. Destroy, right? Yeah, it's destroy it, and then they create the ox. So, yeah. Okay. It won't work on Indestructible or whatever, but I don't know. Seems good. I like it. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. Um, oh, we got one more. <clears throat> sorry, I didn't. I didn't put it, print it on the paper. Man, you keep. You can't. You can't get it I'm off sorry, the table. You I'm gotta sorry. throw harder. I'm sorry. <laughs> it still did. <laughs> They can't see the edge of the table there, though, so they didn't know that it landed. It made it off. It made it off. <laughs> it's okay. It took Jimmy a little while, too. No, it didn't. He didn't. never took him any time. Okay. Uh, lands. We have one land, and it's a doozy. This is probably some kind of staple in the format. Um, it's Detection Tower. It's a land. You can tap it for colorless or diamond mana, but you can also pay one and tap it. You don't have to sacrifice it or anything. Just pay one and tap it. Until end of turn, your opponent's creature's... And sorry, until end of turn, your opponents and creatures your opponents control with hexproof can be the target of spells and abilities you control as though they didn't have hexproof. It turns off hexproof for all of your opponents and their creatures, but in a weird way, it doesn't turn it off for your opponents to hit each other. So if I activate mm. this, that was the thing with Ar Arcane Lighthouse, it's right? It's totally a thing with Arcane Lighthouse, yeah. and I, I will admit that. Where like I will be like, well, I can take it away hexproof. Can you get rid of it if I sort of bring the shields down? This one, you bring the shields down and you have to take care of it yourself. But it's on a land. It affects all of them and players. You don't sack it or anything. It seems great. I think more people need to play <clears throat> this kind of effect. Because yes. people complain about a lot of commanders that have hexproof. And it's like, well, play the card that gets around it. Yep. Um. Josh, what do you think about this saying hexproof specifically, not shroud? Lightning greaves. Yeah, but greaves already has its downside, right? I mean, yeah. I, I was playing a game uh, this weekend, and um, <laughs> the player played played Umazawa's Jite, and they went to go to equip it, and I was like, "Oh, your your creature's got uh, lightning greaves. You can't do it. They got shroud." And they're like, "Oh, I'll just move my greaves over to this other creature over here." And I go, "Hold on." In response, I capsize your guy. And they're like, you tricked me into doing that. A little, a little, a little. That's the downside of Shroud and Greaves. It's true. So it already has a little downside. Um, no, I like this a lot. I think this is three colors and below. It's, it's not flashy, but it's really solid. It's kind of like Homeward Path where I just tend to try and toss it in when I can. This is maybe even a little better than that. Um, I, think, I think you want to play this more often than not. For, for, I kind of have a lot of these different utility lands kind of on a rotation where I'm like, I've been losing to Narset a lot and then sort of cycle it in. Or, you know, I've had my stuff stolen a few times. There's this person uh, stealing all my creatures. I'll cycle in the Homeward Path. So keep these kinds of lands in mind. Maybe keep them in a binder. Keep them in your trade binder and be like, oh, okay, this land would have been better. Don't go hog wild and just compromise your mana base with utility lands unless you can handle it. But I'd say of the effects, right? What do we got? We got Maze of Ith. We've got Strip Mine. We've got this Hexproof. We've got Homeward Path. We've got um, High Market. People like Relatory, Reliquary Tower. Reliquary Tower, High Market. I think... People like Ancient Tomb and other things that create sure. this mana. Um, Ancient Tomb, let's call. I wouldn't call Nykthos and Cabal Coffers. They are more like Ramp. They more yeah. they create a color eventually. Um, I would say this belongs... If, if, if you have a deck and it doesn't have three or four of those in it, you're probably doing it wrong, unless it's five color or maybe four color. But I like things like Winding Canyons, Yavimai yep. Hollow, yep. Voros Stronghold. There's, so there are a lot of True. really cool... Gavany Townships and things like that. Oh, yeah, Gavany yeah. Township. So there's a bunch, but I, I think like yeah. if, if you don't have a couple of these Homeward Path Detection Tower type things in there, then 
detection tower can fill that role and you'll probably find quite a bit of uses for it and a lot of times when you don't it won't have cost you anything it's going to tap for mana and you most games especially for two or three color you won't miss the fact that it makes colorless mm -hmm. um okay this is something we started doing recently so let's do it here what do you think is the best new command don't answer yet the best new commander in the set we're going to count to three three two one and then we're both going to say it um, you can do best as far as the most powerful or best as far as like you're the most excited to build it. Let me think here. Okay, you ready? Maybe. <laughs> I think I for I know exactly which commander it is, but I might have forgotten the name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's it, does this paper have the no it doesn't. Okay. That's another paper. Oh wait, you aren't didn't they all, aren't the, they all in here? We keep we throwing, throwing our papers. Yeah. Well, it's a test about it's, it's a test All for right. your memory. Okay, All ready? Right. Three, two, one. Arcades the Stratish. What's Vivictus? the what's the Jund one? Jund Dragon. Vivictus. Vivictus. I got it right. Yes, I think you Vivictus. did. Asmati, and I'm saying Arcades, the Defender one. Okay, best overall card. I should have been thinking about this the whole time. You you knew about this and and. Okay, the best overall. Honestly, card. I copied and pasted this from the last set review, and I forgot <laughs> to, I forgot that part was down there. Um. Okay, best overall card in the set for we... <laughs> vamp, vamp, vamp. I'm gonna look through the other here. I'm getting us. I'm helping us out here. Here's where we are. These are the non. It could be a planeswalker or anything in the color. Okay. Looking, looking. You got yours. I got mine. Um. Three, two, one. Cleansing, Cleansing Nova. Nova. It must be. That was... uh, uh, oh gosh, we're gonna work on our high fives. Um, it must be that that's that's scientific. I thought right I there, I thought I had you is. because yeah. it looked like you, it wasn't on your page. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I got it. And Josh is gonna be. Jealous I thought about Detection Tower as number two, but I went with Cleansing Nova. I think Cleansing I like Nova. Cleansing Nova a lot. I, I think it's probably like the, it's like a top three or four whiteboard wipe. So totally okay. Um, where are we? We're to the listeners. How long is this episode? It feels pretty long. I don't even know. What are the cards you are most excited about from M19 and for which of your decks? And what are the combos and synergies that uh, we didn't mention or didn't come to our mind that you see? Please put it in the comment section of the YouTube video. Again, I always like to use that area as sort of like a an addition to what we're doing here. So if anybody comes and watches this you know, later on, they can look through the comments and also find some cool things that you guys all thought of that maybe we didn't. So again, what are your favorite M19 combos and synergies that you see? And uh, once you read all that stuff, and you find out about all the cool cards and what combos with it, you're probably going to want to go on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and order, use that affiliate link to order your cards, your magic product, your singles. Again, you're going to buy that stuff anyway. I'm not asking you to do anything you're not going to do. If you just use the affiliate link when you do it, you really are supporting this podcast, Game Nights, and all of our content. We do super appreciate it. And also check out the Ultra Pro products while you're there. Again, Eclipse Sleeves, the single best sleeves on the market, hands down. At the GP, I was I, I, there was a couple of people and they were like, are those Eclipse Leaves? I was like, yeah. They are like, let me try it out because they never tried it. And I handed my deck over and they were like, oh, wow, this is good. And I've had those same pair of Eclipse Leaves, pair? I've had that same group <laughs> of Eclipse Leaves on my Vile Smasher and Thrasios deck for like over a year and a half. Wow. And I, that's my favorite deck. I play it the most. And those sleeves still are pristine. They're awesome. I really am a big fan of those. So check them out. Ultra Pro's the best. Now we move on to the end step. Oh, you're, you're one-upping it. Now we move on to the end step. <laughs> it made it off the table. It cleared the table. It made it off the table. It now we move on table. to the end step where we talk about something usually outside the world of magic. But this time, DJ and I, we just got back from GP Vegas. It was a super fun time. We're both a little bit exhausted. My yeah. voice still has not totally recovered, I'll be honest. Um, 
DJ, do you want to tell a little bit about your Vegas of uh, experience, maybe a cool oh story gosh. of a game you had or, or anything that happened? I had a blast, first off. Thank you to everyone that came up and said hi to me. Thank you for everyone that got to play Commander with me. We played a lot of... How many games do you think you played? I played a lot. I played a lot of games. I'm probably close to like 20 games is my guess. Probably somewhere in the 17 to 18. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How, um, many, how many games do you think you played? I think less than you. I think only like 16 games or something still a like lot. that. That's still that's so many games for a yeah. normal weekend. Yeah. Well, think if every game is like, say, an hour and 15 minutes is on average or so. Totally. That's totally. like 22 hours of Commander or something. Yeah. Um, what I really liked heaven. was when I played Tainted Remedy against the Life Gain combo deck. That was one of my favorite moments. Uh, also, Cassius just... Cassius. Just, just, Cassius. 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 Yeah. There you go. Okay. Like Cassius Clay. Yeah, uh, when he ran us over uh, with the Savala deck that I ran him over with last time we played. <laughs> okay, so that's a good story. So uh, a couple months ago, we had a game night, um, and Cassius was there, and I think that's when you met him. Yeah. And so DJ was playing, and we were all in a game, and DJ pulled out his Savala deck, the mono green. Savala, what's her name? The Heart, Heart of the Wilds. Heart of the Wilds, and just crushed us. Like, just ran Cash and I over. Who else was in that game? Terry? Somebody else was in a game and just like just mutilated us. Like we were like, whoa, I made a lot of mana. It was ridiculous, like fast. And uh, Cash is literally like, I'm building that deck. And he did. And he brought it to GP Vegas. And then we got into a game with DJ and he pulled out his Saval deck and just crushed everybody with it again. He just, he did. And it was also turned into arch enemy too. Yeah. We were all just like, okay, what can we do? And it just, we couldn't do anything. That yeah. deck is really good. We'll have to talk about it on the show um, okay. while you're substitute teaching here. What was that your favorite moment was when cash just crushed us. Jeez. <laughs> no, it was like that satisfying moment when, and this happens a lot when people come up to me and they say like this thing in your deck was so cool. I had to go out and build it. And when you kind of see the deck that you kind of inspired across the table, it's a nice moment. Actually, it makes you feel like, Oh, people are, people are having fun because I did this thing. <laughs> it is. a Yeah. It, that is a good feeling. Or whenever somebody takes out a camera, or like writes down a card that you play. Like, oh, yeah. what is that? I need that. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment was I was in a game and a player Armageddoned. So that's not how m- most favorite moments usually start, <laughs> right? Um, so a player- I was sitting next to you for this. Were you? Yeah, and it was in the Commander tournament. It was in the Commander Someone tournament. Said, so, so, I, I was playing another game and oh, yeah. very saltily, people were like, your Armageddon resolves. And I look over and everyone's picking up their lands. So this, yeah, this guy's like, ah, oh, it's a little too scary out there. So I'm like thinking, okay, board wrath or whatever. And he's like, so I'm going to Armageddon. Everyone's like, Armageddon. <laughs> We're playing with um, Jake Travers, who's one of our earliest um, sort of listeners. His He's uh, WC Power 9 on Twitter. Maybe like the third or fourth person I ever remember on social media, like interacting with. Um, on Twitter as a result of our show back when we had like 200 followers and we were teeny tiny and nobody listened to us yet. Um, so I just happened to get paired with Jake and two two people we didn't know um, in that tournament. And so Jake has a Prosh deck. Um, it's not fully tuned, but it does have food chain and stuff in it. And he, the reason the guy was Armageddon is actually because of Jake and not me. Jake had Avenger of Zendikar. Um, he had uh, Astronaut's Altar, Skull Clamp, like a bunch of stuff going on that was looking really bad for us. And then this guy Armageddon's, and in response, I activate Alchemist Refuge and flash out Emrakul. 
and I take control of Jake's turn. So it resolves uh, Jake's next turn, and, and then Jake's going to get a turn after that. So the Armageddon resolves. Nobody's got any lands, but I get Jake's next turn, and he has Birthing Pod out. So I Birthing Pod for Crater Hoof Behemoth, Sacrificing Avenger of Zendikar. With his, like, 14 plant tokens, I, I kill the other two guys. And then I sack everything Jake has to the Ashnod's altar. So when he takes over his turn, he has zero lands and no creatures and just an Ashnod's and a Skull Clamp out there. And Prosh has already been cast like six times, so he needs a million mana to cast Prosh. And at this point, it was pretty late in the game, and J- Jake and I are both top decking. <laughs> so it's like top deck. Uh, and he actually hits like the first three lands before I hit one, and I had like a Soul Ring maybe. And we're like literally in this weird – it was almost felt like limited – Where's like top deck, what do I get? Top deck, and I finally managed to pull out the win in like this crazy game where the Armageddon guy, you know, actually actually caused me to win because I was 100% going to lose to the Prosh deck because oh, yeah, he was, was so food close. Oh, yeah, off or whatever. Yeah, he was going to go crazy. He yeah. was so close to going off. So the Armageddon in a weird way uh, actually caused me to win the game, and that was like, that was my favorite story. I also did get to cross and uh, grip somebody's omniscience, which was sweet. Ooh. In a different good. game. That was a different game. That was a C-A-D- CEDH player. I also am recalled him in that game. That was cool too. Okay. Um, Vegas was awesome. Thank you to everyone who came up to either one of us and said, hi, we really do appreciate meeting all the the fans and the listeners and the watchers out there. It's really great to be able to get to play games with you and things. Apologies to people that I did not get a chance to play with. I'm sure there were some for you, DJ. That- yeah. There were, there's always more people to play with and yeah. Yeah, but it was there awesome. There are other GPs. There will be other GPs. In yeah. fact, there is going to be a GP in Los Angeles in August and that's in our backyard. Uh, I don't want to speak for you, DJ, but I'm pretty sure we're both going to be there. I'll be there. Yeah. So if yeah. you're thinking about it and you want to bring some commander decks and you want to get Emmer cooled. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Command Zone. Make sure to go check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on collected.company right next to us, or you can follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. Ready? You ready for this? Well, our editor is Craig Blanchett, and special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations, like the days behind us. Very nice. Uh, you can find him at Living Cards MTG. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project 
in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.